movies were never safe to begin with, and the truth is stranger than fiction. Starring Moral Bob, Drew Misson, and Andy Rouse. Conspiracy Theater 3000. Our impulses are being redirected. We are living in an artificially induced state of consciousness that resembles sleep. Something given has no value. Well, I got a couple of thousand goddamn questions, you know? The world ain't what it seems, is it, Gunny? I want to speak to someone in charge. The moment you think you got it figured, you're wrong. Enforce, my friends, is violent. They've been studying it for years, fighting our weaknesses. I want a lot to complaint. <laughs> you're safe and alive. You're already dead, everybody. They have created a repressive society, and we are their unwitting accomplices. The world is a business. You have no right to make people crazy. We've got to stop them! They're going to kill us all! How come I know so much? Their intention to rule rests with the annihilation of consciousness. What the hell is going on around here? Who's going on, you people? They are safe as long as they are not discovered. That is their primary method of survival. Keep us asleep, keep us selfish, keep us sedated. We accept the reality of the world with which we're presented. With which we're presented. With which we're presented. All right, guys. Welcome again to Conspiracy Theater 3000. I am your not-so-humble host, Moral Bob, and I am joined with my other two co-hosts, two people that I love talking to and do great work, Drew Misson and Ryan Dean. Welcome, guys. It's, it always seems like it's been so long, even though it's only been... What a few weeks just seems like forever every time. It's like a long distance relationship at this point because we do it monthly, it just makes the fondness grow stronger. <laughs> right, right. Well, on this episode, we're going to be doing some American shit. Uh, that Drew knows the movie but does not celebrate the tradition. Um, and we're going to be talking about planes, trains, and automobiles tonight. It was a family tradition in my house every year for Thanksgiving. Um, and Drew, um, you tell me that you've seen this movie and love it, um, which I was I was honestly surprised. I didn't know. I like like I'm, I'm like do you even like that's a like a time period movie. You know, it's like it's like somebody that doesn't believe in Santa Claus watching freaking something i don't know maybe that's not a good enough analogy well i I think it's because it's a john hughes (laughs) staple right like the 80s and early 90s was all john hughes and this this actually was quite big in my family just for the sake of it being a family comedy we could sit down and watch together and i never actually twigged it was a thanksgiving movie until later on in my life like when they actually referenced thanksgiving i just naturally assumed it was american christmas one because of the winter snow right that's that's what i picked up on yeah they don't realize that it is a Thanksgiving movie. It's the theme of the movie is two guys traveling, you know, two traveling businessmen trying to get home for the holidays, trying to get home for Thanksgiving. There's and, not many Thanksgiving man, movies out there, is there? There's really not, uh, which is a bummer because Thanksgiving's like my favorite holiday next to Halloween, like because it's just about eating food. Like you just hang out with family and eat food. Like, it's the best. <laughs> well, you might be uh, excited to find out there is a Lady Gaga and the Muppets Holiday Spectacular, which is actually supposed to be focused on Thanksgiving. 
Well, wow, let's let's, right just, let's just drop the whole plane strands at automobiles and do that one instead. Wow, I think I that we should reschedule there is significantly this. more shit in that one. <laughs> guaranteed. Now, let's guaranteed. Just, yeah, let's just end this right now, and then we'll come back in a week. We'll do Lady Gaga and the Muppets. <laughs> I've got Isn't to ask there? you. I've got to ask you guys. You're the Americans. This is your holiday. This is your tradition. Is this the brief synopsis of what? thanksgiving is is it the time it does it celebrate when a bunch of white people landed in america couldn't feed themselves and the indians took pity on them is that the basic summation of what thanksgiving is kind of it was it was the pilgrims you know the the puritans whatever you want to call them they came over here and there was natives here and they made peace with them and broke bread with them to make peace with them and then there was peace for like a hundred years and then the government decided to start killing everybody. So, yeah, I, I don't think that this is anything to do with Thanksgiving. I think that have you guys seen the movie Due Date? This is Due Date. I mean, this is the same thing as Zach Galifianakis. Have, <laughs> have you seen this seen movie? Oh, with um, old mate played Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr. Is that the one? Yeah. It's literally the same movie. These dudes, you know, two strangers. Well, you uh, not it to for jump me. ahead, but it, it's literally the same. You're supposed plot. to say. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that, that that's the thing. You just I mean, ruined yeah. due date for me. Thanks. <laughs> right. right. Is it well, due date? Wait, is it due date or due date? Small hat. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, I need to add an extra uh syllable in there probably for it to be accurate. But no, it's uh it's due date. Have you seen due date? I have, yeah. True. Yeah. I mean it's the same thing. Yeah, right? Do is. you disagree? No, it's that's pretty much it. That These two dudes just, you know traveling they don't know each other and they're you know trying to get across one's a fat good person one's a skinny asshole i don't know <laughs> same film do you know what's That's really what interesting there's actually one place within australia that does celebrate thanksgiving there's really? a territory like just an expat territory there's a ter- external territory outside of australia it's called New- norfolk island it's in between new caledonia and new zealand and it exists because the HMAS Bounty, which is a British naval ship, had a mutiny, a rebellion. They decide to leave the British Empire and start their own country on Norfolk Island. And they have Thanksgiving because so many American whalers would come to port over there that it's now a holiday for that region of Australia. Hmm. Interesting. So they're like Austro-Americans at this point. All right. Well, let, let's not let's not mince words here, Drew. A lot of Australian culture comes from the United States, right? I mean, it's just a fact at this that, point, isn't it? Is, it? I mean, am it, I crazy? It is, it's Americanization. What can I say? It's it's a thing. It is. Yeah. It, it comes everywhere. It's not only in Australia. It's the you know UK. It's freaking. I mean, China. Uh, freaking. You, you even see people in Africa wearing the the shirts of the losers of the Super Bowl, right? I mean, like this is. It's all about. American culture. It's it, it really does run the fucking world. Oh, which is terrible. It's the worst. Well, I mean it gives I us know. great movies like Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, but I I used to think America when I was a kid, I fell for the propaganda that America is the greatest country in the world. I don't fall for that shit anymore. I think it's way down the list. Like it's fucking atrocious. Some of your best. I think the people are still good, man. You know, you get a lot of people like John Candy's character in the movie, where you know John Candy's a good dude in the movie. It's kind of sad his life. He's a fuck up. So yeah, he's a fuck up that just can't figure shit out, right? Right. But would you rather be him or would you rather be Steve Martin, who seems to have it all together and you know 
kind of is empty inside. I don't know. You know, there is this dichotomy in, in America where you get both of those sides. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like, um, so, you know, this to, to get into the movie a little bit, Steve Martin's character is like, uh, a like successful traveling businessman. And you, you, you don't ever really, I don't know if it talks about what he does for a living, but he's obviously corporate businessman and he's trying to get home. Yeah, exactly. Almost, almost the same exact thing. (laughs) Do you want me to give you the the nickel tour of what the synopsis is? Sure. Sure. Brief breakdown. All right. Planes, trains and automobiles is the 1987 American comedy film written and produced and directed by John Hughes, starring Steve Martin and John Candy. It tells the story of Neil, a high-strung marketing executive, and Dell, a good-hearted but irritating shower curtain salesman, who become traveling companions when their flight is diverted and embark on a three-day odyssey of misadventures trying to get to Chicago in time for Neil's Thanksgiving Day dinner with his family. There we go. It's amazing how innocent that little breakdown makes it sound. And you would read that and go, oh, okay, I'm going to watch this movie. Come on, kids, sit down, watch this wholesome movie with me. And then it's nothing but cuss words for like an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's really just one like, it's scene of cuss words, isn't there? Oh, isn't there really just one? The, he, he just the word a whole lot of fuck. F-bombs. The word fuck is said in that movie something like, 200 and something times. It's a crazy amount of times. Oh, Jean Marie, you're a stitch. <laughs> no, Mom's going to do the turkey. Yeah, Dad wants ambrosia, so I guess we got to get those miniature marshmallows. And I'll do the crescent rolls, and you do the cranberry. You know I can't cook. <laughs> oh. <clears throat> yeah, well, I'll see you tomorrow then. Gobble, gobble. Welcome to Marathon. May I help you? Yes. How may I help you? You can start by wiping that fucking dumbass smile off your rosy fucking cheeks. Then you can give me a fucking automobile, a fucking Datsun, a fucking Toyota, a fucking Mustang, a fucking Buick, four fucking wheels and a seat. I really don't care for the way you're speaking to me. And I really don't care for the way your company left me in the middle of fucking nowhere with fucking keys to a fucking car that isn't fucking there. And I really didn't care to fucking walk down a fucking highway and across a fucking runway get back here to have you smile at my fucking face. I want a fucking car right fucking now. May I see your rental agreement? I threw it away. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, what? You're I must have seen a different version of this then, because yeah, I just saw it where it was like one scene was really bad, where they said fuck like eighteen times, and that's why it's got it. Well, it's uh, R rating. Maybe because of that scene, it made you notice the cuss words less everywhere else because it was so concentrated in that one right. spot. Well, yeah, I do say <laughs> fuck like in my vocabulary, it's I, a staple. So yeah, 
There is, is a version of this called Between Two Pillows Cut, which is the one that couldn't make it to cinemas. Now, ironically, that was like four hours long. Yeah, yeah. And ironically, they played one of those cuts in New Zealand. It was only PG rated, and the entirety of New Zealand almost had a fucking conniption over it. Huh. <laughs> really? Yeah. So they cut out all the freaking really vulgar parts? Yeah, they kept the original with the vulgar, and then they realized, oh, wait, this isn't the one we should be playing. <laughs> Like, turns out, vulgar sells. But that shit sells. Yeah. That's not pillows. (laughs) (laughs) This movie came out before I was even born. The year before I was born. But because it's so close to when I was born, I grew up with it. Like, that's why it's a staple of our family. And like you said, Bob, on its face and on its premises of film, it just looks like a family comedy. But there's far more to it. Far more to it. It's hardcore, man. Like, I would never let my kids watch this. Not right now, you know, but I watched it. When did it come out? 87. 87. I was nine. And I don't know that I went and saw it in the theater, but I might have. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) given my parents, it's very possible that I went and saw it in the theater. But then, you know, back then... After it was in a theater, about a year later, it would start playing on cable shows, so like HBOs and whatnot. So things kind of came out pretty quickly after the theaters. And so I probably saw it in 88 on, you know, on some movie channel, HBO or Showtime, whatever the fuck was back then. Um, I think Cinemax even was back then. And then for ever. It was on VHS, just holiday tradition, like we they they would play it on the t- on TV every year, you know. And I was was just talking to Kaylee like the sad thing about not having cable anymore because I haven't had cable in years is you don't accidentally watch anything. And this is one of those movies that you could just go, oh shit, let's see if Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is on in November, and it's bound to be on somewhere. Like, it's also one of those movies you could just switch on. And you could be halfway through it and you go, I've missed the start of it, but I'm going to watch the rest. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Missing the beginning of it isn't, it doesn't take away from the end of it. It's stellar anytime you step into this movie. It's just, it's just awesome from stem to stern. There's nothing bad I can say about this movie. Now, if well, that's what the- comedy movies were, right? I mean, the comedy right. movies are dead now. But that's kind of what a, the average comedy movie is. You can jump in like Grandma's Boy, uh, freaking, you know, any of these like even shitty ones. Dude, where's my car? You know, things that right. we kind of look down at, but there's they're comedy movies that are still good and you can jump in. And what made them good was the political incorrectness of these. And that's why comedies aren't allowed anymore. It's like and comedy- it, it's such a sad thing. Sorry, Drew. Go ahead. Sorry, Matt. Interrupted. Um, it's like. Comedies are the fast food of entertainment. Right. It's just so right. easy. You don't have to prepare for it mentally. You don't have to like meal prep. It's just there and you can bite into it and enjoy it for what it is. Right. Even it's if someone eats half be, the burger, you can right? still have the other half and it's still just as shitty, but good still. Oh, man, I've, I've got to bring up some did you knows about this film and yeah. how very different right. these films could have been. There's two major role allocations that could have made this film completely different. The first one is... John Hughes originally wanted Tom Hanks and John Travolta. He wanted Tom Hanks as Neil Page and John Travolta as Dale Griffiths. That would have been a very different movie. Yeah, it wouldn't have been very good. different. No, I, no. Don't, I don't. I don't think it would have been bad. 
that probably would have been a funny duo, but it would have been a very different movie. I can't help but not picture Dallas being the obnoxious, overweight guy, though. I can't have John Travolta there. What's he going to be doing, touching up Tom Hanks the whole time? It would have just been like some kind of gay yeah. orgy scene between those two. I guess John Travolta wasn't the slightly balding, overweight guy in 88. He was still kind of thin and, you know... He's doing a looking dude back then. Doing shit like um, Rhinestone Cowboy. So there's that one. <laughs> so. There's that one. Two very different actors. It looks very different. The next one for casting idea was so close, and these two almost got the role. John Goodman as Dal and Rick Moranis as Neil. That would have been good. That would have been fucking good. Because have you ever seen, it's only one character switch, but have you ever seen My Blue Heaven? My Blue Heaven is Steve Martin and um, fucking now I flaked it because I'm getting high. Um, <laughs> Rick Moranis. Rick Moranis. That's the name I was trying to say. And Rick Moranis is supposedly about to come out of retirement for uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids remake. Really? If I'm not mistaken. I wouldn't hate a, a Honey, I Shrunk the Kids remake, honestly. I think they're trying to do if a Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. they try to do it justice, because we watched that actually not super long ago. And it's it fun, fucking dude. holds up, man. The movie's badass. Yeah. Gotta love it. He, he, poor guy, got beat up in New York not too long ago, too. I don't know if you remember that. So they say. Yeah, well, Rick Moranis, yeah, he got... Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know if I... It was during, like... Fucking the COVID nonsense. So yeah, very many he got his the ass kicked and, and, and He got like, he got like beat up and mugged. Yeah, like, well, he's a small old ass fucking little Rick Moranis. And who's gonna do that to that guy? You know what I mean? Like, I understand some actors you want to beat up, but Rick Moranis. I mean, I highly doubt that he fucked any kids. Like, you gotta, like, you gotta try and take, you gotta save that aggression for people like Tom Hanks. I was you know literally I mean? gonna say right. Tom Hanks. Yeah, right. <laughs> you gotta save it for people like that, dude. So sad, but hopefully he gets a little money. Those would have been, you know. I wish there were like, you know, when they do a TV show, they do a pilot. I wish they would do that with these castings to see if it would work on screen, and we'd have like little scenes with, you know, just like a five minute scene with, you know, John Candy and Rick Moranis doing one of the scenes in it or freaking Tom Hanks and John Travolta doing a scene in it because I would like to see either one of those movies. Honestly, I think they'd still be stellar. Or it'd be cool if you could vote. Like what if they did like a thing where you put like, like a five minute clip, like you said of these different character mashups and then the people that were interested could vote. And then that's like whoever like the character combination actually ended well, up. Whoever's funding oh, it, that right? is a like game the board. Changer. The that board, like, whoever's funding the movie, gets to vote who they want. That is like a choose your own adventure, but for adults. But where you get to pick the stars of the next big budget film, right? Like there's some service out there. Right. You pay five bucks to get in. You know, millions of people would sign up. Dude, for this, this is five dollar idea. Thing. Yeah, this hey, is a big idea. It. You got to pitch Hennings, it to Hollywood, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. TM with a circle in it. Yeah, Ryan said it first. We already got it. We got witnesses. But yeah, I did imagine that everyone votes. And then like, do you want John Travolta or do you want John Candy? Obviously now it'd be like the well, rock. Could you mix and match, right? Like, could you be like, you know what? John Candy nailed it, but I really like it with Tom Hanks. 
like John Hank Candy and Tom Hanks. Well, you got to use modern names. It'd be The Rock what, or Kevin Hart in all would of these be a roles. Stellar role, okay? <laughs> do do we live in a time where shit posting and online trolling is would kind of ruin that though? Like you look at online polls. What do you want to name this new ship in the Australian Navy? Bodie right. McBoatface got the highest votes. <laughs> so well, this is would you, you be choosing have, like, really terrible actor, right. one leading actor who's well, like the worst possibly. actor with all these a-listers around them you're gonna you're gonna end up with like um uh not nick nolte who am i trying to think of um i get nick nolte and this dude mixed up a lot he had a kid that was an actor he was in like freaking um oh that narrows it down it's about 80 percent of hollywood yeah Right. <laughs> he's got a kid. He's an actor and his kid's an actor. It's not their um, real name. They changed their name for Hollywood. Fuck, dude. White guy. Oh, fuck, man. Ends in a Stein or a Berg. I'll smoke weed, kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. No, I think that would be a fun idea, dude. And uh, yeah, we should petition for that. But it would be all shitty actors, and that's the way that you get narrow that down. You make sure that it's one email per person. No one can spam these things, Drew. No one no, can I... just sit there and say a thousand times, "I want The Rock to play fucking uh, Berlin, chick that ran the Underground Railroad." You know what I mean? Swap <laughs> the roles of forty-eight hours and planes, trains, and automobiles. So you get Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte in planes trains and automobiles and then john candy and steve martin in 48 hours conceptually we're about 20 years away from that happening with ai anyway you could just type in i want planes trains and automobiles with eddie murphy and nick nolte and it would make it shot for shot but with those actors we're probably (laughs) not far from that (laughs) i don't i believe that too i Uh, actually saw a man on that point where uh you know i'm a big fan of tim dylan's podcast and he was it was was one of his old earliest episodes and they were talking about big mama's house and tim dylan was trying to explain big mama's house to someone that hasn't seen it and he was like yeah big mama's house starring martin short and then they kept going on for a long time he's like oh shit not martin short martin lawrence (laughs) it's like the opposite totally different movie (laughs) wouldn't it be hilarious with martin short though (laughs) like that's the thing man it's it's uh i mean yeah these differences Uh, make a big deal oh jesus martin short man i don't even know how that dude got successful Yeah. I've um I've dropped the trailer into the chat, Ryan. Do you want to play it on your end, and then after the trailer, yeah, we can get soon. stuck into some of that name magic and get the ball rolling. Let's do it. Cool. Oh, the Let other share my the other last. Did you know was the car is a direct knockoff of the National Lampoon's wagon? Of that course. John, that John Hughes used in National Lampoon's earlier in '83. So nice little takeaway. I love wood panel station wagons. It's this weird oh, Americana yeah. thing. I, I just, want I one love so and I bad. Want. Hey, you know, you could it. probably make one. You know, get an old station wagon that's not wood panel and just throw some wood paneling on that show. I could. I could. <laughs> All right, here we go. Give me a thumbs up just to make sure that you can hear this. During holiday travel, some people get delirious. Some get delayed. And some get <laughs> Del Griffin. American Light and Fixture, Director of Sales, Shower Curtain Ring Division. Neil Page got all three. I was on my way home to spend a nice holiday with my family. 
Instead, I'm in a motel bed with a stranger. So instead of Thanksgiving with his family, he's spending three days with the turkey. Two happy clams just whistling down the road. Flintstones, meet the Flintstones and the Martoni family. Paramount Pictures presents Steve Martin. You ever been to Hawaii? Yeah. You see Don Ho while you were there? See the second show, that's the best one. Is that right? Yeah. John Candy. Why are you holding my hand? Where's your other hand? Between two pillows. Those aren't pillows. In a new film by John Hughes. Planes, trains, and automobiles. See that Bears game last week? Yeah, color game, color game. Actually, in that Bears game, too, I saw a statistic that they could have potentially actually predicted the Bears game the following week that that was released. Kind of interesting. I don't really know if that was legit. Uh, but they do say that the Bears were going to go all the way that year, and they did not. They lost the first uh, playoff game. So interesting, though. It's always fun to get into the sports conspiracies. Yeah, there's lots of those. I mean, we, You're we muted, have Drew. a whole show. Yeah, Damn it. I love this number of sports conspiracies. <sighs> okay. Yeah. Um, I thought the same thing. I thought when they said talk about the Bears and like I've got no idea who that team is, but no doubt there's some kind of conspiracy there. Right. You haven't seen with as much as you like American television, you haven't seen the Bears and the Bulls Saturday night night live skit. I haven't. Uh, we might oh, have to man. pull that up here. Uh we'll do oh, it later. Man. Yeah, give but me an the Bears and the Bulls, yeah, we'll we'll give you a the crash Bears. course on this, dude. Chris Farley, I think John Candy's in that as well. If Is I'm that in mistaken. the citizenship test? They always had the whoever was the guest host was always one of the announcers. So, right. oh yes. yeah, we'll pull it up at the end, dude. Absolutely, you got to see that Chicago Bears, man. Uh, yeah, they're dog shit this year, but uh, <laughs> they had a dynasty with uh, Ditka. Yeah, back where you know Saturday Night Live used to be good it was hilarious. hilarious so that's where steve martin got his start he got his start on saturday night live and he's always had white hilarious. hair he's always had white hair i've never seen always kim's mom went to high school with him and supposedly in high school he had white hair really yeah i yeah, had a friend of mine that was like completely salt and pepper by the time he was like 17 I don't know, man. It might have something to do with like uh, algebra stress. I mean, he he could have died it too, honestly. I mean, he could have just been kind of ahead of the curve because I was actually noticing in the movie his uh, his roots are dark. He's got dark mm. roots like at the bottom of his hair. So I wouldn't be surprised if he was fucking you know, a little tomfoolery there. Yeah. Well, he's got fake gray hair. Speaking yeah. of Steve Martin, he played Neil Page. Now, Neil is an Irish word for cloud, passionate, or champion. Uh, page is from the ancient Greek word meaning attendant, and in old French it means assistant or helper. Neil is also a variation of the English word anil, which means to temper by heat or tempered by heat. So this is the picture I think it kind of brings together for our character for the film. Neil is the helper of Dell as much as Dell helps him. His anger, distrust, and resentments towards Dell is tempered by their relationship as much as the fire of the car that tempers the anxiety that brings them together later on in the film. Like we, anyone who's seen the film, it's fucking old as heels now. There's a fire and they both laugh over it. So the fire actually tempers their relationship a little bit. 
Um, Dell, on the other hand, Dell is old English meaning noble and kind. It can also mean small valley or glen. Griffith is a meaning from uh, from North, from Welsh meaning chief or strong lord or prince. Um, so Griffith is a powerful boy's name in the Welsh origin. Strong in his convictions, Dell is a noble-hearted, kind, caring man. He acts in a princely manner in his interactions with Neil throughout the movie, trying to gain his affection and friendship. So on its base level, it kind of tells you a little bit who the characters are. Um, that gets fleshed out more in some of the interactions throughout the film, but that's what I could pull away from the names in this movie. It's, it just never ceases to amaze me that it's all it always fits. Like, well, and that's what's funny too is that there's really only two characters throughout the entire movie. You know what I mean? Like there, there's like some pop in people, but it really is those two dudes. And uh, you made me think of the Dell computers too. You said Dell means nice and kind. Yep. Yeah, that's interesting. Remember the Dell computers? I mean, like uh, I think that their oh, logo yeah. was like that I cube lived, with the cow. I lived in. Yeah, I lived in Austin, where Michael Dell lives. He's got this fucking insane mansion on a hill. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it, dude. Fucking, I mean, I, that was a, a pioneer of computers, right? I mean, I don't. Are they oh, even still in business here? In... Oh yeah, oh yeah. Really? They okay. have a multi-billion-dollar business. Yeah. Delco I just see Lenovo's huge. and shit now, but yeah, man. I mean, it, it, if I'm remembering correctly, the logo was a a cube with the cow prints on it, right? In fact, yeah, that was Gateway, I think. Which was also Michael Dell, I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Dell I'm seeing here is just D-E-L-L, and the right. E was kind of sideways, kind of like a cube again. But, uh, yeah, man, just uh, it's it's uh, the names are always so interesting, man. It's There's too much to it that it can't not be deliberate at this point. There's writers right. that sit down, and they, they game this more than the actual storyline, I'm sure of it. Has to be. So yeah, how, how, all the... Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the film starts off with our main character, Neil. He's sitting in the corporate building of his cosmetics company. Um, he's sitting down and we see the CEO of this company looking at layouts for the next ad campaign. And it's taken two hours, supposedly, at this point with the boss looking at these these two variations. The interesting thing I found out about this by looking really closely is the name of the company is Ibis. And if you look at the Greek Egyptian god, the Ibis god is named Thoth, and he was the god of the moon, sacred texts, text, mathematics, science, magic, a messenger, a recorder, and passenger of time. He's a patron scribe, and is I think is the perfect symbol for that company because it's the sciences of cosmetics, cosmetic surgery, the passing of time. It took two hours for the boss not to make a decision. So they're throwing a little bit of low-level esoteric stuff in your face there with an Egyptian god represented by the Ibis. Did you notice when he was on that plane too, how they showed the number 13 with the two planes flying through it? I didn't say that one, no. That was something that I thought was really interesting. Like I said, I watched it again today. I would have never noticed this. I'm going to see if I can pull a screenshot up of it. Um, but yeah, man, it's literally a number 13. They're showing him while he's on the plane, a number 13. And there's two planes with dotted lines going through the 13. Uh, one's like ahead of the other plane. I thought it was just something that really stood out because I was really trying to look for like conspiracies in this. You know what I mean? I might have been fishing a yeah. little bit, 
But since we're going to talk about this on a fucking conspiracy <laughs> show, I was like, let me see if I can find some stuff. And that just stood out, man. I mean, 13 obviously being an unlucky number and two fucking planes flying through it. I mean, that's kind of kind of on the nose if, you know, in hindsight. Um, I'll see if I can find an image, though, to show you guys. No, it's also New York as well. So that's pretty on the nose. Right. So this is one of those films that I thought there wouldn't be a lot in. I thought it would just be the family comedy that might have political type of stuff in it around like the role of the father and the family, like the stupid dad type of analogy stuff we see right. like in the Simpsons, but it actually went a lot deeper than I thought. And I didn't notice some of this stuff until watching it late last night. It kind of just twigged for me and I had to go back and rewatch like 45 minutes of the stuff I was just glancing over, but there's definitely a lot to do with numbers in this Ryan for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I'm actually going to have to get... Uh, I'm going to tell Kim to start this and watch that up until that point, and I'll get a screenshot for you guys here. Awesome. We're going to get a field reporter. Bob, you've <laughs> seen this more than anyone else. Not yes. only are you older than the rest of us, yeah. it's family tradition for you. Do you want to run down like just the general happenings of the film? Like starting off, he's had his... He's left his, uh, his yeah, um, so, office. What's he so doing now? The entire premise of the movie is two guys traveling home to get to family, right? And and so they're both at the airport at the same time. And Thanksgiving is the most traveled holiday in America, at least. I don't know if anywhere else. Um, there's crazy traveling. And so flights are getting canceled and shit. And both of these guys get their flights canceled. And both of them are trying to figure out how to get home. And so they decide to rent a car together and travel across the country to get home. And it's their journey. One of them's corporate working, you know, white collar guy. And the other one sells freaking shower curtain rings. You know, he's, he is the lowest of the low. <laughs> like he's, he does nothing productive. He gives nothing to society. He doesn't, he makes a very meager income, you know, so it's these two opposite spectrums um, societally and how they come together and they end up being friends and shit. Now, this, and- is a, this is the thing that I struggle to wrap my head around because Australia, for the size of our country, airplane travel really never took off for the average person. Australians are very used to traveling for like 10 to 12 hours via car. So I instantly thought the whole time, why doesn't he just drive home? Like clearly he doesn't have a car though, but why doesn't he travel from New York to Chicago? And then I did the nerdy thing of looking at travel times via car. So New York to Chicago would be an 11 hour drive. And for an Australian, that seems like nothing. But Americans, right. like you've got a saturated market of the, um, the aircraft community. Like you fly, have that many domestic flights all the time. All the time. Yeah, and I suppose if there wasn't if there wasn't if there wasn't a plane, it kind of removes one of the parts of the whole title of the film, doesn't it? It'd just be trains <laughs> and automobiles. <laughs> Which would be equally as good. Yeah. And it's just this movie is so fantastic because it's it's a journey on so many levels, right? Like they are literally traveling while being on so many different levels of journey with themselves, journeys with each other. You know, and it's it's always just been a holiday staple. And fuck, dude, when they when he gets his um his car canceled, 
where he can't get a car <laughs> and that scene where he cusses like he just like i don't care what fucking car i just want a fucking car right fucking now and she's like you're fucked or whatever <laughs> she says to him it's such a build-up before that though that's like his snapping point as a character and we kind of have to mm-hmm. go back to the start of the journey of how these characters actually meet and it's neil when he's trying to hail a taxi and he has his in run in with kevin bacon of all people i don't know if it's actually meant to be kevin bacon or it's him playing a character but they're both going for a taxi kevin bacon's character gets it Neil sees another one, and as he tries to get it, he's trying to buy off this guy to appeal to his goodwill so he can get to home and catch this flight. And this he ends up being a shyster lawyer, tries to scam him out of 75 bucks. While that's going on, Dal steals the taxi from behind. He taps on the back of the cab, puts his trunk in, hops in and drives off. And that's the first interaction we get. The first interaction we get between Neil and Dal is Dal steals the taxi from Neil. And he's already so pissed off with the world that he had to pay 75 bucks for nothing and he's going to miss his plane. He's got this antagonist relationship kind of from the start and he gets to the airport and he looks up while he's reading his paper and he notices Dale sitting there. He's like, this is the guy that took my goddamn taxi. I know you, don't I? I'm usually very good with names, but I'll be damned if I haven't forgotten yours. You stole my cab. I've never stole anything in my life. I hailed a cab on Park Avenue this afternoon, and uh, before I could get in it, you stole it. You're the guy who tried to get my cab. (laughs) I knew I knew you, yeah. You scared the bejesus out of me. (laughs) Come to think of it, it was awful easy to get a cab during rush hour. Forget it. I can't forget it. I am sorry. I had no idea that was your cab. Let me make it up to you somehow, huh, please? How about a nice hot dog and a beer? Uh, no thanks. Just a hot dog, then. I'm kind of picky about what I eat. Some coffee? No. Milk? No. Soda? No. Some tea? No. Lifesavers? No. Slurpee? Sir, please. Just let me know. I'm here. I knew I knew you. <laughs> yeah. And so there's just that animosity just built in right there. And so you know it's going to be this this headbutting of characters through the movie, which what it is what it is. You know, it's these two completely different people. You know, one is a neat, clean-cut, like, corporate guy. And the other guy is John Candy. like he's a lovable guy but a slob lovable you know just kind of you know never really made anything of himself kind of dirty just honest working dude like he's doing the best he can and you see that he tries (laughs) he's just doing the best he can he tries to appeal to neil he tries to apologize for the the taxi being stolen he's never stolen anything in his life can i get you a beer and a hot dog no i don't want those how about just a hot dog no how about a pretzel no how about some Tic Tacs? No. He offers all these things to him trying to mend the bridge and doesn't get there. And you're like, okay, this isn't going to be a great relationship. Then they end up on the plane together. So they get one plane in this film. And Neil's supposed to be going up to business class or first class. And he gets bumped down to coach. 
And who does he have to sit next to? Dell. So he's already ticked off beyond measure and he's now sitting next to the guy who stole his taxi. He's pretty ropeable about it. And the funny thing is Bell, that Dell turns around to him. He says the first number that popped into my head when talking about this. It's the first notable six that he mentions in this film. Dell turns to him. He says, I bet you six bucks and my right nut that we're not landing in Chicago. And what happens? The plane ends up being diverted to Wichita. This is what I just, I, I stepped away for a moment, guys, and I apologize. I thought that I could get a field reporter, but women suck at everything. So I had to go in there and do it myself. This is, uh, so really quick, when they're in, did you mention the Canadian Mounted? Yes. Oh, not yet. I was still got on my notes, though. He's reading a okay. book called Canadian Mounted. Yeah. Sorry to step on that. But yeah, there is a photo. And let's see if this will actually pick up. Yeah, just. Um, but he. Come on, you fucking shitty computer. But yes, he's reading a, in the wide open there. It's not going to adjust. But in the wide open, he's reading a book called The Canadian Mounted. Oh, there it comes. <laughs> there it is. Said. Yeah. So yep. It's got a girl. Yeah. And then this is what I was talking about, man. Let's wait for this to adjust here. There's a thing with 13E and two planes flying through it there. And this is the boarding pass. This is when he gets brought back down from first class to coach and has to sit next to John Candy, right? So you yeah. see the 13 and the two planes. I To me, that just jumped out. Again, I might have been fishing. Um, but yeah, E is the fifth letter of the alphabet. That could be interpreted as a pentagram. I mean, if we're looking for shit, that's kind of something. That's a little interesting. I've never seen a boarding pass with like two planes on it like that either. I don't know. I just thought it was kind of interesting. So I, I thought it was cool. Well, as we continue to talk about this film, I'm going to outline my theory at the end, which I'll circle back to after we discuss the points of, the, of this film. My theory is called the Grim Reaper, Death, Devil, and Purgatory Theory for this film. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I like I'll, I'll let you la- I'll let you marinate on that while we keep going with the film. So they've been re-diverted to Wichita. There's no more flights. Everything's grounded. This is when they try to get onto a train, if I'm correct. Is that right, Bob? They go to a train next? Right. Yeah, because that's the progression, right? It's planes, trains, and automobiles. And automobiles is the last leg of the journey. It's also the first. And the first. (laughs) Fucking poetry right there. (laughs) Now, when they go to... They get off the the plane and they go to a hotel together because, you know... Dal's got this inside knowledge of a guy who he sold shower curtain rings to, and he's going to get a room for them. Comedy ensues. They end up having the same room together. But what I found really interesting is the room they shared was room 114. If you broke that down into its individual numbers, it's one plus one plus four, six. We've got our second six in this film. Um, and we see the issues that they have to share a bed together. Neil can't sleep. He's cracking his neck and his fingers all the time. He's clearing his throat. He's just being that obnoxious character more and more, kind of building up that tension between the two characters. Yeah, he takes the like the super long shower, leaves his freaking socks in the sink, soaking. Like he's this just he uses every dis- towel. Yeah, <laughs> just this disgusting, inconsiderate dude. But while, he's a sweetheart. While also trying, yeah, like, and that's that's how they're painting him is like he's this nice guy, but he's also kind of a dick, like because he's so inconsiderate of others. 
So <laughs> there was that scene when he says, uh, and it's right around here where he's like, you, you trying to hurt me? You can hurt me. Like all that stuff when he goes, you remember? The it's like that really. Speech. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And dude, they make fun of that in Family Guy. Peter, did you get the train tickets? Uh, actually, no, Lois. There was a guy inside selling shower curtain rings, so I bought a bunch of those. Peter, that was the last of our cash. These ones have helium in them, so they're very light. You are unbelievable. The last four days have been a living hell. Our baby is at home all by himself, yet instead of getting us home, you've managed to make things worse at every turn. A monkey would be a refreshing step up from you. A monkey would talk less. Here's a little tip. If your instinct tells you to do something, don't do it. If your instinct tells you not to do something, it's probably the right thing to do. You want to hurt me? Go right ahead if it makes you feel any better. I'm an easy target. Yeah, you're right. I talk too much. I also listen too much. I could be a cold-hearted cynic like you, but I don't like to hurt people's feelings. When you think what you want about me, I'm not changing. I like, I like me. My kids like me. My friends like me. Because I'm the real article. What you see is what you get. <laughs> Movie references. And Peter Griffin is saying that. Really? Well, Dude, Peter, I... Peter Griffin and, and Dal Griffith. There's right. so many parallels right. between these characters. That's what I thought was so funny because I heard him saying that. Think about that. I hadn't seen this movie in forever, guys. So, like, when I saw that, I was like, dude, I remember that. And I was thinking, I was like, yeah, Peter Griffin says this, too. So, obviously, John Candy says it before. But it's so funny, man. Like, what do you think that that says about, like, modern day people that are, like, they, they, they have a good heart. People are trying to do the right thing. But they're also very selfish. Like if someone is just out there and they're just trying to operate. But that's that's narcissism. You're describing narcissism. So you think John Candy in this is narcissistic? Yes, 100%. Interesting. I I thought he was just a good guy, honestly. I thought he was like a deep down good person, but misunderstood. That's the way I saw it. And maybe he's just an um, unintentional moocher because he does mooch a little bit, but he always does the nicety of like, no, no, I'll pay, I'll pay. But he's a he fucking deadbeat. Someone pay for right? it, right? Yeah. Like he's he's that deadbeat loser fucking dude that could never figure it out and just ends up being a leech. But while being a leech, is also inconsiderate. Like, like uh, he's a, see, he's like a that. dick. Like. Like, like if like somebody did that shit to me, if somebody left socks in the sink, we're like, what the fuck, man? Like, what are you doing? So, dude, Get this, this is fucking shit out of here. You might appreciate huh. this, Bob, because you know Brandon, right? My my co-host, my cousin, mm-hmm. um, former co-host, I should say. He's still my cousin, though. Um, <laughs> yeah, not former cousin. Yeah. So he used to live with me, and I rented a house. He rented, uh, you know, a bedroom from me when I was living in this house, and um. He used to annoy the fuck out of me with the littlest things that he would do. And it wasn't anything to be a dick. He would do things like we'd have dirty dishes in the sink and, you know, I'd make tacos and he would grab a single taco, make himself a taco, and he would take a bite of the taco over the sink and then splatter like, you know, you know, how when you eat a taco, shit falls out and shit would splatter over the dishes. The dishes are already dirty, but I would sit there and I'd be like, 
I wouldn't say anything, but I was just like, you motherfucker, why couldn't you just get a plate and eat it on a plate or a napkin, right? <laughs> he right. wasn't doing that to be a dick. He was just doing it because that's what he thought was right. Like, he was just like, oh, I don't want the dirty dishes. I'm just going to eat over the dirty dishes. And, but I, that still sticks with me today. It still makes me mad because I'm like, get a fucking plate or get a napkin. But I think that some people do. do they just float through it's life. It's narcissism, man. It's narcissism. Well, I don't it's think being so self-involved. <laughs> yeah, but it's being so self-involved that you are unaware of how your actions affect other people. Like That's you're just unaware. It's like it's not. And a lot. There's a lot of narcissism that is um unintentional well right i guess it's unintentional subliminally like they don't actually are they're just so wrapped up in their own wrapped up in their own shit yeah exactly i think that's dal's Um, issue that they don't think about others dal is realistically just trying to survive day to day like spoiler alert we find out that dal's essentially homeless he doesn't have a house anymore right and he's literally traveling with a suitcase so and a trunk. So he's literally got his entire life with him at all times. That's why he's washing his underwear and socks in the sink. I think unintentionally sure. he's doing these things to survive. Right, but when you have a travel companion, maybe you know, maybe don't do that. Maybe <laughs> maybe knock it off for a couple of days, you know, and just wore your fucking through. Well, don't, that's what don't I'm take saying. Take the man, long I... showers. It was like he he took a super long shower. Um, used up all the hot water and then used all the towels and shit too. And then he, like, he tried to grab for one towel and it's his fucking socks and shit in the sink. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's like, a washcloth. Like, I, I would fuck somebody up. Like, I'd be like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> this is not okay. Well, right. So, I mean, I just think that, that there are two ways to look at it, man. The better person in the scenario is John Candy, right? Steve Martin is kind of, in my opinion, at least, he's the piece of shit. He's the asshole in the whole scenario because... What makes you think that? By his actions, which are all reactionary to the situations that he's in and the people that are making the initial actions, what does he do that he initiates that is a dickhead move? The beginning of the movie where he doesn't take the smarter dude's advice and take the eight o'clock flight instead of the six o'clock flight, which did was fuck up his shit. whole life. Right. Yes. He yeah. made the initial choice. Right. That's why you always put yourself in that position with all your choices. So he should have taken the smarter choice trying to catch a fucking cab in rush hour traffic. He set himself up for failure at that point. And his coworker, who was clearly smarter than he was, told him so. And he was like, no, no, he was stubborn. He was hard-headed, and he went in, and well, then he got himself in that I position. am not saying that Steve Martin's character was not also a narcissist. Different levels. Right. Again, they're different. They're two different class of narcissists, right? One's a businessman. One's a deadbeat salesman. And they're both narcissists, but it's different kinds of narcissists. Yeah, maybe it's because John Candy. Maybe if it was John Travolta or whatever, I'd be like, "Yeah, fuck this dude." But I'm always on John Candy's side. <laughs> hey, why don't we go yeah, catch a train? Fuck around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. No, I, 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 I kind of sympathize a little bit with that position because I've been in that spot in my life where I'm like, dude, it's kind of hard to just get by, and you want people to kind of understand where you're coming from. 
but I also haven't just like dried my socks in the sink. <laughs> right. I've got, I've been pretty desperate. I've, I've been br- super, super broke, but I've never been wash my underwear in the sink that I'm sharing with someone. Bro. With a stranger. <laughs> yeah. Right. Which is like commando at that point, not wear underwear. It would cut a step out. Yeah, dude. I mean, the fact that he's going in hot water. I mean, I, I've gone a, a significant period without hot water. I've been that broke before. You know what I mean? So, like, you know, going and taking a hot shower for an hour or however long it takes to run the hot damn hot water out. Yeah, that's bad. But maybe he's just enjoying it, man. Maybe if you're Steve Martin, you fucking wait a little bit because you have these amenities. You're yeah, used but to then he used all the towels too. <laughs> then you go and like, you fucking request more towels. I mean, there's there's workarounds with these things. Sure, you know I mean? but it's just it's this, one inconsiderate dickhead thing after another. But like, didn't he in the first it's place? It's not help like him? he just one time. Yeah, this but is, the no in the very first instance he stole his fucking taxi. This is a thing. No, that Kevin Bacon. Oh, go ahead, Joe. This is the thing. It's not just the 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 ways that Dal is inconsiderate of certain things. It's the bad luck that continually follows Neil. It's like he's the guy, the white privileged dude, right? The the corporate sleaze who's always had everything handed to him. He f- experiences a little bit of uncomfortability in his life right. when Dal appears, and it does start off with with Neil arguably trying to mend bridges and pay for the hotel room, right? Right, but after that, everything that happens, he keeps on paying for things. He keeps being on the receiving end of the bad luck, where arguably Dal ends up getting on the better side of everything. Well, do you think that maybe the 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 one of the undertones or the messages, like the morals of the story of the movie, is like if you're a negative person, negativity will follow you. Of I think course. it's yeah, surface level one. It is for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely energy related messaging, right? Like. Like, if you just fucking constantly are negative, then that's all you're going to be able to see is negative shit. Right. Like, instead of being, like, bitching about, like, not having much hot water, not having a towel to dry yourself off, at least you're not sleeping on the airport ground like he saw the dude. Like, when John Candy was like, hey, do you want to get a room with me? And he looks over and sees the dude sleeping on the airport floor. He's like, yeah, I'll do that. It's like, yeah, you could be that guy instead of at least having a tiny bit of hot water. And appreciating right. this bed with this fat dude, you know, that's apparently got his hand in your ass in the morning and stuff like that. Dude, that's like, when you split the sh- top sheet in the cover, man. Like, I'm sleeping on the floor. I'm not sharing a bed with you. I'm that's my thing, dude. It's like, can if we they... order a cot? We don't <laughs> like... have to share this twin-size bed. Yeah, now, I'm going to fucking curl up on this freaking couch or chair that's I'll in the sleep corner. like a bat i'll hang yeah. myself in the freaking curtain i'm not the... sharing a bed with a dude yeah <laughs> Here's unless an exam- it's you two. <laughs> here's an example of how dal's good luck ends up giving bad luck to neil i don't know if it's on your version of this film or not but there's a point where dal when he's at the hotel orders a six pack of beer and a pizza and when he pays for the pizza he doesn't tip the kid. He gives him like $1 tip and the kid gets so pissed off. He comes back later on that night and he's the one that steals all the money out of Neil's wallet, which is like over $700. So by one small action, inconsiderate action of Dell, it the bounce back hits Neil. It doesn't come back on him again. Right. Right. You kind of get that um, Dale just bounces through. He's just kind of one of those losers that just is able to bounce through life, just kind of bouncing off people he can use. And 
uh, like just wreaking the chaos in in that bounce. But he's doing it like survival, right? Like it's just survival for him. I love how he's got a connection for everyone. He sold someone a curtain ring, so he's there. They're his best friend. He knows them intimately. <laughs> like when he gets the right. guy from the the train station to get the son to come pick him up. This is one of my favorite scenes. The redneck guy pulls up in Wichita. Gus's son? I'm Owen. <clears throat> you the shower curtain fella? Yeah. Yeah, Del Griffin. How are you? This is Neil Page from Chicago. Hi. Pleased to meet you both. <clears throat> I'm to drive you to Wichita to catch a train? Yeah, we'd appreciate it. Train don't run out of Wichita. Hmm? Unless you're a hog or a cattle. <laughs> People train runs out of Stubville. That'll be fine. That'll be, That'll be just fine. Oh. Leave it be. Get your lazy behind out here and put that trunk up in the back. Oh, no, no, the work, we've got it. It's very heavy. She don't mind. She's short and skinny, but she's strong. Her first baby come out sideways. She didn't scream or nothing. Isn't that something? You're a real trooper. We've got it. We've got it already. It's done. (laughs) And they've got the big trunk and they go to lift it up. And he goes, oh, you put that down. He says to her, get your ass out of that car and pull this trunk up. Oh, no, no, she's pregnant. Don't you worry. She may be small, but she's strong. Her last baby came out sideways. <laughs> oh, shit. I forgot about that one. Dude. No, I, I completely missed that. But, yeah, that's, uh, that's a strong woman. You can push a baby out sideways. She, did, she didn't even scream or nothing. So good. And then they're sitting in the yeah, back of this. There's so many good scenes in this movie. There's so many good scenes. Like they get in the car and they're traveling down the highway, and those people are like, "You're going the wrong way," and they're like, "How did how do they know where we're going?" <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> like you're crazy. They don't know where we're going. Like, they're they trying tell to us race we're us. Going the wrong way. <laughs> did you guys see many conspiracies in it? Like, oh, did I... you think see things or any kind of like um you know societal kind of lessons? That, that you could learn from the movie? Well, I think the, the societal lessons aren't necessarily the conspiracy in this one. I think that's right, just right. The, the societal, like, priming type of a thing in this where, you know, it's the niceties of accepting people for who they are and, you know, not not judging a book by its cover and leaning on people and supporting people who actually have a lot less than you and recognising people's worth. I think that's the main idea of the the, the surface level for this. The uh, conspiracy stuff goes the next uh, next level down. That's for sure. 
What's what are your right. thoughts on this as a societal lesson or a moral? What's the moral to this this film? I think the moral to the film, I, I think a, a, a subliminal message to the film is um, that you can kind of bounce through and have everything work out. Like you can just kind of be selfish and everything's going to work out like because that's exactly what happens to John Candy. He's fucking selfish the entire goddamn time and it all works out. But he's not selfish. He fucking helps the dude get a room. Kind of. Like while fucking up the entire time, getting his money stolen, and that's how he can't get the fucking room in the first place. Well, he's just being and he has to use his watch time. and shit. He has to try to fucking give his watch and shit because this dude has just fucked him in every turn. This guy that he's his travel <laughs> mate has just fucked him over at every chance that he can. He stole his taxi. He got his fucking seven hundred dollars stolen because he was a cheap piece of shit and didn't ask him for a couple bucks for fucking tip. Like he didn't fucking he wasn't honest with him. Be like, hey man, I can't tip this motherfucker. Can I borrow a couple bucks? Like he did yeah. decided to stiff the motherfucker and stole his money, and then he couldn't afford anything. So the, the taxi situation. He, Steve Martin not... was smart enough to have seven hundred dollars for traveling expenses in cash because sometimes that's back then credit cards weren't a big fucking thing. Cash was a thing, yeah. and when you were traveling, you had cash with you. And he was smart enough to have a bunch of cash to travel with. And that fucking asshole stiffed the fucking pizza dude and got it stolen. <laughs> I mean, the the taxi thing. You know, New York's a fucking rat race. Like any, everyone steals everyone's taxi. I think that, sure. you know, that, sure. that's not a steal. But so at my- every turn, it's, it's like, it's like at every chance possible and every now and again, the John Car- Candy's like, Oh, well, I can help you get a room because he knows ultimately it's going to benefit him. Yeah. If I, I mean, help I this just- guy, he'll keep helping me. Like this yeah. is some rich corporate dude that has money. And if I continue to try to befriend him because I'm a fucking loser and I don't have any friends, then he can continue to help me out. It's a complete leech mentality. He's just a leech. Well, I I relate it, like I said, to that movie Due Date, which if you haven't seen it, same concept. (laughs) You like that movie. I mean, it's the same fucking movie, dude. It (laughs) literally is the same movie. It's just a remake of it. It's by a different name, different circumstances. The, The rich dude, the more successful dude is trying to go and meet uh, trying to get home in time before his wife has the baby, right? right. It's not a Thanksgiving-related thing. Hence the, the name. Yeah, right. So, right. you know, Zach Galifianakis being John Candy's character is a fat loser, you know, but a, a good-hearted person, you know, like just someone that's a fucking loser. And there's people that are great. There's there's a lot of good people out there that are just fucking losers, dude, and they just can't <laughs> figure it out. They can't get their shit together. But that doesn't mean that they're bad. There are losers that are bad people. But in these circumstances. Well, well, it's it's the path to hell is paved with good intentions shit, right? Like, yeah, he's nice at times, but a majority of the time he acts in a very selfish way. And the only time he's nice is extremely self-serving. It's it's self-protection to act nice because it gets you what you want. Like, and they may be very, I mean, maybe these people are unaware that that's what they're doing, but it's all self, like, it's all self-fulfilling shit where they're just, 
It's it's complete narcissism, whether it's known or unknown. It's absolute narcissism. Okay, I've got to throw you why I think this is happening. Dal's not just not some guy who's a bit of a a slob and is just being himself and just seems to float through life like a piece of crap. I think Dal actually is is representative of either like a trickster god or death itself. And I think there's three points in this film that you could put down to that Dal and Neil have died or Neil has died. And you have to go back to the start of the film. At the very beginning of this film, Neil trips over Dal's suitcase, like his chest, and falls short of being hit by a car. Now, here's a, here's a hot take for you. What if that car didn't actually stop and it ran over his head and killed him at the very start? <laughs> That's why all this bad luck is happening, because he's going through like the trials of purgatory to get to heaven. That's interesting. interesting. All right. I'll keep that's going. an interesting take. And that's why well, yeah, and that's why it's so atrocious is that he's going through his own personal hell, which I think that this life experience is. So, you know, I very well think that this life that we are all living is our personal hells. Oh, it's not our own personal hells. It would be purgatory more, I think, like what, what Drew's saying. Because there's some incredible things that happen. You know, not in the movie necessarily, but dude, there's no way that that life is our is like the the first ring of hell. There's no way, dude. I don't know, man. Got to think broader picture, right? Is it what you make of the situation in itself more than anything else? Well, and that could be a lot of the message too, right? Like Dale is generally in good spirits. Like he tries to be in good spirits the whole time, and he is kind of just making the best of the situation he's just somebody that's in pure survival mode right like he's he's operating in pure survival mode and he is at that point where he's at the bottom so you gotta you know you just gotta be like well i'm rock bottom so you know might as well look at the best in every situation like and that's why he's like that where Neil's character seems like that corporate guy that always gets the shaft. He always gets passed up for the promotion. He always gets passed up, but he's still just there. He makes good enough money to not say fuck it, but he kind of hates his work life. And that's what's put him in the negative mood is because he can afford to be negative, right? Like, because he is this privileged fucking dude business guy that makes decent money and has a good job, nice house, family, you know? Um, And so he can afford to be negative where Dale can't afford to be negative because it's just his, he's at the bottom. Yeah. There's, there's no way further down. It's all, you can only go up. Right. So it's all perspective, right? Yeah. All right. So I'm going to throw some symbols that I've seen in this that hopefully tie together my thinking on this. Either that, it's, I'm just gone full schizophrenic and just noting <laughs> things that aren't there. So there's a few um, symbols around Dell that kind of hint at him being a trickster god or death himself. So the symbols in that are symbols of the afterlife. Dell's portrayal is the devil later on. So, you know, in the car scene, he turns and looks at him when they're passing between the two trucks. He's the devil and they're both skeletons. That's reminiscent no, of like yeah. a trickster god and death. Dell carries around shower curtain rings which are actually symbolic of the eternity symbol, the snake eating itself. And the shower curtain rings. Ouroboros. Yeah, there's that life cycle, the circle of life. Yep. Dell's trunk in itself is a symbol of his own coffin. 
He's carrying his coffin around with him all the time. Um, then there's a pivotal scene which kind of cements the whole idea that they're in purgatory for me. So in this pivotal scene, they go to the ticket agent that announces all the flights have been cancelled, but it's worth looking past him over his right shoulder. And the destination board in the background is a sly visual joke that says, destination to nowhere. So it tells you straight away <laughs> they're not going anywhere in this film. Yeah. Um, like I said, that hotel was 114 to begin with. Added those together, it becomes six. But at the same time, when Dal's keeping Neil awake, he's not allowing him to rest. So he can't rest, air quotes, if he's in purgatory. He can't go on to rest. Um, what have we got? Mm. When Candy Did burns... Did you come up the... with this by yourself? Yeah. This is fascinating. So when Candy burns the car up, is this symbolic of like a transition to hell or is this where they died? There's, there's three points where they could have died. He could have died at the start when he tripped over and got hit by the taxi. He could, they both could have died on the plane in the first case, or did they die in the car when it had that accident between the trucks? Because afterwards it catches fire because he's like flicked his cigarette. Right. So does that, is that symbolic of hell and that they've died or is it just the scene of him being the trickster God again and, absolutely <laughs> destroying every method of transport that they've got throughout this film on top of it there's lots of bullhorn imagery so the motel that they stay at besides the room number which is number six that has three circles below it so is that reminiscent of extra sixes um there's bull simbly symbology which i take it's just that part of america like maybe like a bit midwesterny type of motif or whatever a lot of bull imagery um and when at the very end, when Neil and Dal get to the train station, prior to them getting there, there was lots of people everywhere, lots of characters, all diverse groups of characters getting around. Um, but there's no one there when he goes back. When he goes back to get Dal, it's completely empty, like there's no one left. Like all those people have somehow passed on to the afterlife, but Dal can't do it himself on his own. And it requires Neil to be the person that takes him into the next world. That's why he feels sorry for him. He kind of goes back. Bit of a stretch, but it's the yeah, idea no. of no. It's not. No, it's so, not a stretch. So Neil ultimately um he gets favor of the afterlife and is allowed to pass on because he proves himself through the actions. He kind of pulls himself out of the idea of being the uptight corporate sleaze guy, and he develops a real relationship with him, with Dell, and he appreciates Dell for who he is. Like he's on the train on the way home to his family. And he keeps reminiscing about all the things he and Dal have got up to. And he laughs about it. And then he realizes the penny drops. Oh shit, Dal's wife died. He doesn't have a home to go back to. Who's going to look after this guy? So he goes back and he helps him. And where do they end up going to? His house with his family. And his house is this bright, idealistic, lovely place. Like it's his ideal version of, of the afterlife. Personal heaven. It's his own personal, personal heaven. Personal heaven. Yeah. Right. Dude, Okay. As you were talking there, Drew, I, when I said no, I wasn't like disagreeing. I was saying no, like you're not off in that because, um, you know, I stepped away for a second when I was trying to find this uh, symbolism here. Um, I, you know, looked up because we're talking about planes, trains and automobiles, right? These are methods of travel, right? There's a God of traveling, right? Oh, Did you mention this? No, I had Thoth, which is the God of like for his workplace, but who's the God of travel? Okay, so let me read this to you, and, and it's it's wild. Um, 
this god is an Olympian deity in ancient Greek religion and mythology considered the herald of the gods. He is also considered to be the protector of human heralds, travelers, thieves, merchants, and orators. Right? John Candy's a merchant. John Candy's a traveler in this. He's a fake. And the god is the god is Hermes. The god is Hermes, dude. Hermes <laughs> is a massive massive deity in this whole secret society shit. What if he represents Hermes? He Not could. Pan, but what if he represents Hermes? Wow. That's a f- mind fuck right there, man. Yeah, Hermes is the god of travelers, orators, thieves. He's you ever all this. You ever think sometimes I wish I could just enjoy something? Like, <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> well, you still like, can't enjoy it. I was, I I was listening this... to Pandora the other day. And some songs came on, and I'm starting to listen to lyrics. And I'm like, holy fuck. Jesus Christ. Like, like these lyrics are fucked up. And I sent them to my wife. And I was like, and she's like, you can never say anything to me about Taylor Swift again. Um, <laughs> like, like being looking at these movies and songs and shit. Like, do you ever honestly have that thought? Like, I wish I could, because I know y'all's brains work like mine. It just you can't just watch something. Like, there's I absolutely always... can enjoy a lot, man. You have to separate the art from the artist. I I can watch this movie and love it. You know, I I hadn't seen this in forever, man. Like, you know, I I rewatched it today. It's still great. It's still fun. Oh, of course. Yeah. I yeah. think these things make it more enjoyable just on a different level. I actually would argue and say that we can enjoy these things more because we can find a a, a an additional level. It's not addictive. even a separate. It's a but it's yeah. dark, a schizophrenic right? date like, dive on things. Like, like when you find out that these kind of messages are, are in this shit. It's kind of dark, man. And like, I have moments where I'm like, man, I just want to fucking watch this movie and not see this shit. (laughs) What do you do when you see the devil? Do you get scared or do you laugh at him? You know what I mean? I I prefer to laugh. I think that this is hilarious. Oh, sure. Sure, sure. No, I'm not even saying that it's not hilarious, but it's just like, you know, do you you ever just want a blue pill just a little? Just oh yeah, little. I do it all the time. I do it every weekend when I get I want, involved in the UFC. I want oh, yeah. steak to taste like steak. Yeah, Bob. On <laughs> yeah, that, exactly. I had the biggest moment where I thought, and it was ironically going through this, and this was just a beloved movie of mine as a comedy, and seeing this level of stuff. Like I said, I went schizophrenic on it, and the stuff I was looking at. But one of the actors stood out to me, and it kind of made me think that maybe we are living in a simulation. His wife in this film. I've never seen her on anything else except for the latest Walking Dead series, which I just finished watching three days ago. And she's the main protagonist in that film. And now she's suddenly on planes, trains, and automobiles. I cannot remember her as that actor. Did you watch the new Walking Dead series that's in like New York or some shit? No, it was the the, the, like the actual Walking Dead one, not the Daryl one. Okay, because there's the hermetic number too. They have like two spinoffs now. Yeah. But I just found it weird that this actress who I'd never seen in anything else pops back up with a deep dive that we're doing on this after watching a series with her on it. That's interesting. Hey, man. Yeah, dude, like, I have almost daily things that I'm just like, this is a simulation. 
You should the gamble only, then, Bob. You the should the literally fucking, gamble on sports. On I, well, they're, I think they're all fixed. So And gamble. Um, well, yeah. I, and there's money to be made on that shit, right? Like A um, lot. I've gambled on some sports and shit, but I just don't care to get into it enough. I don't have the fucking bandwidth anymore, man. I really don't. I don't even listen to podcasts anymore. Like, I'm just like, <laughs> like I just can't. I'm just, I'm in that, that, and that's why I asked is like, I'm in that point where I'm just like, man, I just kind of need to log off a little bit. Well, that's the thing, man. You know, these, these kinds of things, you know, it always, it's always interesting to me when people, you know, I know that you want nothing but what's best for your family, right? And the way to get the best things for your family and people that you love, love it or hate it, it's having more money, man. That's the only real way that you can actually get, you know, to the next level in life and to make sure that your family is set up. And what you, it's not necessarily the money. It's what you get with the money, right? It's yeah, the, the land, assets. it's the chickens, it's the animals. Yeah, it exactly. It ain't much assets. anymore, man. Fucking Christ, dude. I'm looking to try to, I'm looking at land and shit right now. It's fucking retarded in Texas. It's of so fucking it stupid. One thing Joe Rogan so for that, because Joe Rogan's got everyone God fucking damn. moving to fucking Texas right now. It's the new California, man. Well, dude, even before Joe Rogan moved here, a hundred and when I lived in Austin, like famously, even like around 2010, like it was famous in Austin to, that 150 people move to Austin every day, like every day. And, and how so, do they know that? That's my big thing. How do they know that? That's suspicious. Well, that's easy. Moving trucks, fucking lease agreements, fucking. They have all the information, right? Like it's all federally documented, all of this shit, because it's got to be legal, right? Like it's got to be a legal document when you buy a house and you got to say where you, you came from um, and all of that. And so when you sign a lease or buy a house, you sign a document that gets reported to the government. And so the government can know easily who's moving to and away from areas. Uh, yeah, it's interesting though that you believe that statistic, but not like voting statistics. Well, that, because uh, that shit is just as fake as voting statistics are to me. Not necessarily. I mean, everybody signs a paper whether you buy a house or rent a house, right? Like you've sure. bought and rented, right? I've yeah, Those yeah, yeah. All... I own my house now. Right. So you've done both and you've signed documents on both cases that got filed federally. Right. Those are federal documents. So it's not hard to you know, put two and two together there. That if what about all the illegals moving in though? Well, yeah, I'm not saying it's a super accurate number. I'm just saying, like, if <laughs> well, then, then what the fuck <laughs> are we talking about? If it's well, not it's, accurate, well, it's, it's verified. People. I can say you it's know, a thousand. We, uh, who's yeah, more right? Yeah, but it's not you know? going to go down, right? Like, it, like they can verify that that many people moved to the area. Sure. So that number is not going to go down. If anything, it's higher than that. So um, it would never go in the negative direction because that, those are verifiable moves. Well, it will go in the negative direction. People. It's going in the negative direction somewhere. If people are moving to Texas, it's probably going negative in California, right? So it will well, go sure. negative. Yeah, but the prices have just gotten retarded here. Like, it's just... Yeah, man. It's turning in California, dude. That's what's happening to Arizona, too, Bob. I mean, it's the same thing. And and I'm sure that similar shit is going on in areas yeah. of Australia, too, 
where there's more desirable areas to live because of politics. And I guarantee that the more conservative areas are more desirable to live in in Australia right. than Big the time. fucking liberal areas, dude. Of course. Well, why, yeah, that's you how two, it is. While you two fellas are talking about economics and housing crises and whatnot, I just had a look <laughs> at what you're talking about with Hermes, Ryan, and it's so much worse than what we thought. Okay. So, <laughs> the Odyssey is about him being a messenger of the gods, but he's a conductor of the dead to Hades, so he actually helps take people to Hades, to the underworld, yeah. to hell. Outside of that, he's most well known for being the protection, the protector of cattle or sheep. Who are the cattle and sheep of society but the working class? Neil is right. the sheep in that movie. So he's protecting right. Neil, trying to get him home. But if he died during that whole travel, he's actually taking him to the afterworld as well if he is Hermes. So it's, it fits. Interesting. Dude, that's the whole thing with the uh, the Caduceus, right? I mean, like, I, I know, you know, you guys are familiar with the Caduceus, right? This is not a, a medical symbol. This is a, a symbol for, like, tricksters and and liars and thieves. But they use it yeah. for the medical system. And that's a hermetic symbol. That's a, a, a Hermes symbol. The Rod of Asclepius, which you see uh, with the six six uh, pointed star, it's not really a star. It's it's kind of like it look almost looks like the Red Hot Chili Peppers logo. Um, but that Rod of Asclepius is meant to be like Asclepius is the god of medicine, right? right. But for some reason, they kind of kick that to the side and they take Hermes, who is essentially, I mean, it represents Pan too, um, lying, stealing cheating that's what hermes represents um so yeah dude anytime that hermes or hermetic properties are involved with anything it's uh it's not a good thing so it is interesting that we can make connections with this dude's character and hermes um yeah man i i think that it's just uh that that's got to be what it is man like any anytime a movie like this holds up how many great movies are there with with you know, solid actors, a solid plot line. They're hilarious. Caddyshack. Caddyshack's one, right? I'd be interested if we could find something. Maybe, you know, when the when the freaking uh, U.S. Open or some shit's going on. I, mean, I think that's tennis. But uh, is that is that golf or tennis? It's tennis. I think it's there tennis. might be a U.S. Open for golf, too, though. There's got to be. Um, the, whatever. The fucking PG, whatever. PGA. Tourless, the PGA, you know, some big shit. Clearly, I'm not into golf. But oh, I'm down for Caddyshack. That is a solid I, movie. I'm yeah. wondering if we can find things like this in Caddyshack because there's there's certain movies that hold up over time. In Caddyshack, yeah. there's um, vibration. What? what yeah, he goes no, 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 the gopher. The gopher represents Satan because he goes to the underworld when he does his little shit and makes the ball move. But you're right, Ryan. What allows these films to be cult classics over other equally funny films of their time? Something's helping them endure over time, and is it the the stuff that's put within it that helps it get there? And it's like just triggering our subconscious. You know, there's a lot of kids that don't know that this movie exists, right? Because they're obsessed with Ice Spice and fucking Travis Scott and shit. But oh, right. you know, these movies have held up, and and you know, it it makes you wonder, like, do these directors and these these agencies that put these movies together, they're very aware of Hermes and they're aware of Pan and they're aware of like the the seven or eight rings of hell, however many you believe there are, and all these different things. So you wonder if they have incorporated these things and 
maybe just maybe we're the first to find these things. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I'd like to think so. Well, yeah. I mean, who knows how many people have watched this shit and thought like we do, right? It's it's hard to say. I'll tell you, Bob, I don't think anyone's thought that that John Candy was the god of deception or anything. Probably not. Drew, I think, is probably the first to actually put that together. (laughs) That that one's out But in saying that, if it's in there, I think it's in there for a reason. It's like they say the Easter egg. I think they want people to notice this, people who are maybe Uh who they think are the adept. Like they're throwing it in our face, laughing at us because we don't notice it, but they do. Or I've had, I had this thought the other day, right? Like, I think humans have this insane mental power. Like, I, I think we could possibly fly, telepathy, fucking all of that shit. And it's all about using our minds to control the vibrations of this realm. Um, but what if they just constantly have to occupy us? Like, have you ever, you know, with Drew, you being a teacher, you know, those kids that are super hyperactive, you've got to be able to occupy them all the time. So you got to be like switching shit up, right? So what if they just know that there are going to be people like us that have hyperactive minds and so they hide just bullshit in stuff just to get us to run around and chase our tails like a fucking dog that's got too much goddamn energy and it's just to get us to spin around and it really doesn't mean fuck all. They just put it in there for us to chase. It's the Where's Wally conspiracy. They're just adding things for us to find that don't really mean anything. Well, like mean it's an adult nothing. version They're, of that. It's a MacGuffin, right? Like, like that, I think that's the technical term of plot holes. Like, what if what if it's just shit they put in there just to get us to chase our tails? All, all I know is it's backfiring on them because I enjoy watching movies and then skitsing out <laughs> over them and sharing it with you right. guys. So. Right, right, right. But But it distracts our energy, right? Like, Like at some point in time, you know, these people are energy vampires one way or another. So it's getting us to look deeper instead of possibly doing more productive things. You know, not that I don't let, I, I don't mean that in any way. <laughs> I love this <laughs> fucking show and I love you fucking guys. And I enjoy the time together. But Likewise, I just mean buddy. like going down rabbit holes and shit in general. Like I've gotten, like I said, I, I got to the point to where I don't listen to podcasts or anything. I like doing this stuff because it, it puts me back into overthinking about things, right? Like I've had to step back because it was just getting too much um, because I just overthink everything. And so I just like, I get these moments with you guys and with Chud where I get to overthink. And that's what, this is my moment away from, like, my blue pill shit. Because I have just kind of focused on work and shit. That's why I wasn't able to work, to to watch the movie. Um, Let me ask you a question, both of you guys. And this is a deep question, honestly. But, like, what is the most efficient way to spend your time? Well, it depends on what your values and what your goals are, right? Like, to relate to the Yeah, but then you can still be wrong. Well, that's 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 subjective, isn't it? Sure, but so is spending your time well. So let's say right. that you're that right. spending it's, your time. It's all, it's all it's all subjective, I guess. Yeah, man, everything is. So it, like, you it, just got to find shit that makes you happy and spend your time doing that. Because let's say that you spend all your time, and I'm not saying either one of you guys uh, would would fall into this. 
But let's say like raising your kids is how you cherish your time. That's the most productive thing you can do is raising a good kid. But then what if you raise a kid that ends up being one of the worst people that ever lived and does some horrible <laughs> shit? I'm not saying either one of you does that. I'm not well, saying yeah, that. Like, like, I don't think you can be a really good parent and raise a kid that does something terrible. You absolutely can, man. It's nature versus nurture, dude. I it's, don't think he can. So you're I, more I, of a nurture also, type dude. I think that when people grow up to be fucked up people, it's because of traumatic shit that happened to them. You can think, my parents probably think they were fucking great parents. You so know, you're a nurture type guy me. over they, nature. I think it's, I think it's both. I don't think they're mutually exclusive. What if it's traumatic shit I that's happened to the I think kids are going to be, I, I think character, characterly, characteristically, children are going to probably be how they're going to be. Like right. I've got four, I've got four kids and one on the way. I know a lot about kids. And they're all going to be different, observed, right? They're all going to be completely different. And it's it, what I've noticed and what I've talked to my wife about is no matter what, their characteristics are what they are. And the most important thing that I've seen that affects them the most is how much love and affection you show them. Sure. And if you show them love and affection and, you know, and that doesn't mean be a little bitch and don't raise good men. Right. Because I think that's a massive problem as well. You can be stern with children and not be mean and abusive. Abusive, yeah. Um, and I think that's that's where where it determines where they're gonna go later in life. Cause I didn't understand my dad's lessons to me until I got into my like twenties. Like I hated my fucking dad until I was like twenty three. And shit started to click. And I was just like, fuck, that's why he told me that. That's why he did this. That's why he did that. Um, you know, he was like, he was, he was grooming me to be a better person than he was because he knew he sucked. Right. And so he was just trying to make me better than him using mm. what he knew that I, I had to use. And that's what you got to recognize as a parent is what do your children have that you can use? that you can facilitate and make them a better person. And if you don't see that and you just supply a shit that doesn't really fucking matter, you know, like fucking spoiling the shit out of your kid, like rich people do or beating your kid, like lower class do. And, and that Those is, people beat their kids that too, is man. intentional. That is intentional that they divide shit like that though. Yeah. But it's, it, it all kind of has to do with stress levels, right? Like, Rich well, how people much... do that to their kids because they're under stress. Poor people do it to their kids because they're under stress. Um, if we were all just chill and living the lives that we were supposed to, our stress levels would be lower and we would raise better better humans. Um, I, I agree with you to a degree. Like You can raise your child with what you think are the best morals, set them up for success as best as you can for life, right? But like you said, trauma is the biggest thing that dictates whether people can be absolute shitbags and the worst people in society. That's where free will kind of comes into it. You can raise your child and for the most part, they can have the same types of morals and you would hope make the right decisions. But all it can take is one wrong decision in their life to switch their entire idea of the and view of the world on its head. Like one traumatic of event. Of course. I mean, uh, my wife and I, yeah, Drew, you know, you know, Kaylee, um, we grew up with dramatically different upbringings, right? but we both had piece of shit parents 
Like, like I grew up kind of middle upper class. She grew up lower class, but neither one of us had parents that actually gave a fuck. My parents let me get away, get away with whatever. And if they caught me doing it, they'd whoop the shit out of me. You know, like Kaylee's parents weren't really there. (laughs) I'll say that as nice as I possibly can. Um, and she had to do a lot of the heavy lifting as far as parenting with her, her younger sibling and just fucking had surviving. Um, but we agreed that we both had shitty parents and that's, that's led to traumatic things in our lives. Um, and, and to relate it to the movie, maybe, maybe it's painting that shit too, right? Like, like we have no idea what, proceeded in these dudes lives that led them to where they are currently you know um maybe dale has been fighting his entire fucking life and the universe (laughs) just keeps shitting on him and he's just gotten a real i don't give a fuck attitude anymore like he's like fuck it man i'm gonna take my shit where i can yeah maybe his dad used to beat the shit out of him or he was raped as a kid or some horrible thing right and maybe you escaped foster care we don't know we don't know the backstory. Exactly. Right? We know he just seems like somebody who's in survival mode. I think that's, that's such the, a good point. That's the ultimate fucking shit to take away from Dale's character is that motherfucker has been in survival mode for a really long time. Survival Dude, mode something... and loss. His wife died. We don't know the circumstances right. by which she died, but he right. no longer has a home. He travels around in comparison Neil has, want to mi- go home. Neil has minor no. inconveniences and has everything at the, at the drop of a hat. He's well established. And, and this one trip where it doesn't all just happen for him, he loses his shit because he's, he's probably one of those rich people that's overextended. He still lives paycheck to paycheck. He's got a huge house and everything makes really good money, but he's just like this far away from losing his shit because he's used to everything going his way. Dude, that's such a good point that you bring up is that if we're going to break down movies and talk about these characters like they're real people and we have real things to learn from them, we should try to glance outside of what the film is showing us, right? Like, how did these kids potentially grow up? Because this movie in particular, as well as many other movies too, but this one, it does a good job of just two random people meet and they have this much to do with each other for this amount of time. There's no questions asked about the past. There's no wondering about the future. It's in the moment. It's this shit, right? But how did both of these guys grow up? What got these guys in this position? That's wonder, an interesting point. I wonder if those are conversations in those like in those meetings when they're pitching movies. If the person that came up with the story, because generally speaking, as far as this, what they tell us, how movies come about, right? Is somebody pitches the screen. Right, they they pitch a screenplay. Hey, this is what I want to make a movie about. It's this, and you know, whatever. In those pitches, they will go into detail where it's like, this dude Dale, man, he's just had shit hard. You know, he's just had a hard life, and this is just kind of where he is in life. And they'll go into more detail then, and then they cut all that shit out of the movie. At age eleven, Dale was raped by the ice cream delivery man. (laughs) He was he was right. the original Johnny Gosh. Right. His mom was killed by fucking son of Sam. It's, it's an and... interesting idea how much ends up on the cutting room floor. And is that why it's a four-hour movie, right, Yeah. Probably a lot. 
And how much of these characters, as detailed as they are, just in what we presented with, how much more backstory is there that provides context to it? That'd so be an interesting idea, thing. Right? That that'd be an interesting thing to add to what we do is like how did these characters get to this moment in their life yeah like a five minutes each of like (laughs) theorizing how these guys grew up and like where they were born i'll come up with some crazy shit dude that i'm into that i'm into that That sounds fun as shit okay well for me it would be dal was raped by his um his scout leader in the showers and when he was on the ground looking up he saw the shower curtain rings that's why he sells them when he's older his wife died (laughs) of a horrible battle with cancer and that's why he left the house because it reminds him of her and that's why he travels the world i'll say that steve was abused by his parents as a kid he's schizophrenic and he's imagining dell and dell's not even real and he's creating a full-on tyler durden situation He's say. creating all of his own problems. Oh, that's interesting. That's Explain that. why he lashes Fuck. out at people. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Came up with I that like quote. that one. I That'd like be actually that kind one. of an interesting thing, right? That would be interesting. It's just straight up fucking fight club shit where Dale doesn't even exist. Like the four hour version. And John everybody Candy's not even just, in it. He's just every, yelling at himself the whole everybody time. Everybody that <laughs> engages with him while he's engaging with him. It's like, okay, I'm just going to do whatever the fuck this crazy guy wants me to do right now. That explains yeah. why he's always paying for everything because Dale can't possibly pay for anything because he's not real. Because he's not there. Oh, hey, maybe we just came up with a new theory there. Oh, shit. Interesting, huh? Shit. Okay. So, Dale, I'll do both characters. Dale is a guy who, like, grew up in foster care. Mom gave him up for adoption, and he's just been fighting his whole fucking life. Like, and he finally, he got 18, they kicked him out of the foster home, and he got into sales. But then shit got rough, right? Shit got... You know, he he couldn't make it doing the sales, got lost his job, got kicked out of his apartment. And then he got he found this awesome woman who kind of took him in as a project. You know how women do that shit. And <laughs> they love losers. They <laughs> and she just exalted him to this fucking awesome position where he just felt like he had never Just felt shit. before, right? Yeah. And then she dies, and he doesn't know what to do, and he resorts to just trying to get by. And he's like, "Well, I can sell stuff, I guess." Sell so curtain wanna, rods. I don't. Isn't I don't. That wanna, what he does? I don't want to stop anywhere because then I'll put roots down, and I'll be putting roots down without my wife, and I don't want to do that. And so I'm just gonna keep moving around because fuck it. Like, like she was my everything and fuck it. And then Neil, Neil's this guy that's been trying to climb that corporate ladder. Like he, he came up like middle, middle upper class. He went to college. He got a good job. He did everything that he was supposed to do in life. He got married, got the corporate job, you know, bought the house in suburbia. And he's been trying, he's been trying to climb that corporate ladder for so long and he's fucking showing the ceo his fucking pitch and he's like come on man fucking i'm just notice me this one time just fucking notice me give me that promotion just fucking notice me and that dude's just like meh whatever 
and it just fucking crushes his whole fucking shit because he worked so hard on this shit that he fucking handed the CEO. He worked fucking tirelessly, missed fucking baseball games, fucking missed all of his fucking kids' shit, and fucking just was working his dick off, and the fucking CEO didn't even care. He's just like, fucking whatever, I don't know. And it just fucking crushes him. And so he just goes into this whole trip, just like, fuck this shit. I've been trying for so fucking long and it's, I've never been able to fucking make it. And he's just mad and he doesn't know what to fucking do, but he can't vocalize it because he's also trying to get fucking home to be with his family. But he has this inner turmoil the whole time, like fuck this job. And that's why he's got that angry fucking disposition about him is because he's just pissed off in his lot in life that he lost again he's tried to climb this fucking ladder so many times and he just keeps getting shot down and fucked over that he's just had it and that's why he's mad the whole time what if Dell is a serial killer and he has to keep moving so he doesn't get caught he uses the mounted canadian as calling cards for on his victims and his wife's bodies in the trunk the whole time Ooh, I like that. I like that. I gotta say though, I mean, I think that my theory makes like the most some Jeffrey sense. Dahmer shit. How how are you? You know, if we're talking about this realistically, how are you going to run into someone in, in a massive city like New York City? Right? How are you going to? Is it New York City or Chicago? I forget where they're at. Chicago. He's going York, to Chicago. They're trying to get to Chicago. Yeah. Okay. So, how are you going to run into the same person? three times Multiple that's some times. schizophrenic shit dude so it leads like credence it. to I the like fucking it. tyler durden scenario it yeah, very much in. does i'm all I, in. I like the i like the theory that he died falling in front of the taxi i love that theory too yeah that's great that and and it's hermes taking him to hell because he's a piece of shit corporate fucking oligarch piece of trash he has right? to prove himself before that right like, but the Tyler oh, Durden fits too. as well. Yeah. The Tyler Durden shit fits with that, right? For people like myself that don't know what the fuck you're talking about with Tyler Durden, what is this? It's Fight Club, man. You've never seen Fight Club? Yeah, have I've, you I never have, seen of course. The fucking Fight Club? Dude, I've seen Fight Club. I just don't okay. remember these dudes' names. Yeah, of course. Tyler yeah. Durden is Brad Pitt's That's Brad character. Pitt's character. And also, obviously, then Edward Norton's, too. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah, dude, so he's having the come on, dude. I love it. He's having <laughs> I just the Tyler remember. Durden situation where he thinks he's talking to somebody, he thinks he's engaging in somebody okay. in real time. And so everybody else sees him engaging with somebody and is like, what the fuck? Yeah, I love like, the concept of the movie where the banks burn down and uh everyone's yeah, credits too. reset. No, I dude, I, yeah, I do know the movie, but uh that's actually a fun movie to do a review on. But I think it's been done probably too many times. You so want to know Drew, I've been thinking about your sci-fi shit, right? Because I'm I'm into doing a sci-fi movie as well, and we could do that like January, maybe. Um, the Fifth Element. Ooh, ooh, yeah, yep. And the Sixth Sense. We should do all of the Bruce Willis extra senses and extra things. The Fifth Element, the Sixth Sense, the Seventh Vowel. Have you seen the Seventh Vowel? No, no, that's a joke from uh, Robot Chicken. (laughs) There's a seventh vowel that he's starring in. The the seventh vowel is. You want to see a badass fucking Bruce Willis movie? Watch uh, Lucky Number Slevin. 
Slevin? That's not real. Yes, it is. And it's fucking amazing. And R.I.P. It's very Guy Ritchie. Like, if you know Guy Ritchie movies, it's very Guy Ritchie-esque. I don't think it's a Guy Ritchie movie. It might be, but lucky number Slevin, dude. I swear you fucking will love it. Okay. I'd love to do a Western movie at some point, and I think a good Western movie for me is uh, The Hateful Eight. I know it's a newer one. That's a fucking phenomenal movie. And I'll tell you this, boys. We should, you guys, have you guys seen this yet? <laughs> no, I've seen no. you. I've seen you fondling something over there. I didn't know is, what is this was. is this symbolism of you wearing fishnets now? What? No, do you know what this is, is that from? for our movie next next month? What's it from? Do you know what movie this is from? No. Are you serious, Drew? What is it? Is it a lamp? It's a fucking lamp. It's a leg lamp. Have you not seen the Christmas story? No. The fuck is the Christmas story? Dude. Oh shit! I think we just figured out our fucking movie for next month. You haven't seen a Christmas you seen story. A Christmas not... story? No. What is a Christmas story? What? I think it's a Christmas Bob, story. Bob, you've seen planes, Bob, trains, and automobiles, but he's not a Christmas with us. story. When Bob, did it come? Joking. When did it come out? When did it come out? No, no, no. Yeah, I'm not buying this shit, dude. <laughs> we're not even going to entertain that you haven't seen this movie. Uh, don't, Bob. Don't even entertain this. <laughs> We're gonna do a Christmas story, and you know that you've seen this movie, Drew. When did it come okay. out? Because there's a billion Christmas movies. Are you fucking serious? Who's, I'm, I'm gonna I'm look not it up. buying it for a second. Is, I'm, looking, seen a I'm looking it up. Story. I'm looking it up. You're I'm a Christmas story. You're not tricking me, Drew. I'm not pretty sure me. it's the Christmas story. The Christmas it's a story? Christmas story. Is it a Christmas story? Or yeah, me? I'm starting to think you haven't seen it either, Bob. No, <laughs> going to it. It. You're going to shoot your eye out. I've not seen that. I've seen it referenced in films before, but I've never seen it. What? Wait, wow. is it this one? Oh, shit. Yes. Nah, never seen yeah. it. Wow. That seems very American. I've wow. Yeah, it. they play it 24-7 on Christmas week. I've seen the I mean, loop. This I've- is... I've seen the loop of the kid with the BB gun, but it's him sniping people in real life, like a meme. Yeah. But I've not seen the movie. Yeah. Oh, wow, dude. So good. I am so okay. surprised. So, I mean, I think it's that just we... an American classic. Now I have to ask, coming up into the Christmas season, okay, what is you guys' favorite Christmas movie? Uh, I mean, A Christmas Story or Die That's Hard. That's your favorite one? Or Die Hard. Die Hard 3, I think. Say, Die Hard is is a good one. Die Hard is a good one. And it's a go Christmas to, movie. I'd go to Tim Allen's Santa Claus. Because I don't oh. I like Tim Allen from Home Improvement, because I grew up with that. But there's a weird tradition in my family where our Christmas movie is Aliens, the second alien movie. Because for whatever reason <laughs> in Australia one year they had that on Christmas Eve. So we yeah, have the family came, tradition watching out. that every year now. Right. Mine's a... Mine's It's a Wonderful Life, actually. It's my favorite Christmas movie. I don't... I think it's because I didn't see it until later in life because it was such the cliche Christmas movie when I grew up. Like, oh, everybody watch It's a Wonderful Life. And so I didn't watch it until I was, like, in my 30s. Um, <laughs> or maybe late late 20s. And uh, then I was like, oh, shit this movie's fucking badass and ever since then uh it's a wonderful life is my number one christmas movie um followed very closely snowman now it's not my most watched 
Christmas movie because my most watched Christmas movie is Elf. Elf okay. is stellar. Mm-hmm. So clearly we know what our December theme is going to be, Christmas. We didn't even try to go for a kooky Kwanzaa, but we're going to go for a Christmas for December naturally. <laughs> but we have well, I'd re- actually like to do a Jewish movie. Let's do a Hanukkah movie. Are we going to do... Is that the, just the no, Adam Sandler animated like one? Passions of Christ. <laughs> yeah, let's do the Passion of the Christ. <laughs> you just want to go to Jewish. I'm into it, dude. You? Hey, don't fuck around. I'm down. I already told my wife, if our baby is born on the 25th... Okay, so if our baby is born on December 25th and I can get three friends to show up on the 25th with frankincense um gold and myrrh um we are going to name our child jesus henry christ so he can be jesus h christ ah jesus don't do that (laughs) so you know we got we got a ranker here (laughs) um what my wife Nightmare Before Christmas is really <laughs> underrated. A bunch of fucking emos uh, and goths ruined it. That's but my favorite was... Halloween movie. Well, it's a Christmas movie. Right, but I watch it on Halloween. Well, this is Halloween. This, this is, is Halloween. Halloween. There's even a fucking song in there about it. But it's a Christmas movie. Is it? I don't think that there's any we sure denying that. It's a huh? Halloween movie. Um, You know, you got Charlie Brown, Jingle, oh, all, Jingle the way, all the but... Way. Jingle all the way. The Grinch. Um, Hello. Grinch is fun. on there? I was trying to find... While you were sleeping, that's you guys one know. of Kaylee's favorites. You know, you know, you guys know what... Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know what's <laughs> not good that everybody fucking lo- loves is Love Actually. That movie is fucking <laughs> trash. It's a bunch of goddamn fucking <laughs> narcissist piece of shit in that fucking movie. It's not like fucking somebody cheating on somebody it's got a fucking dude stealing his best friend's fucking wife like Man, that movie is just a bunch a bigger of dick. trash people if you want a really good christmas movie the family stone i highly recommend you know, it's the weirdest Let me ask- concept though i'll quickly say this ryan the weirdest concept about watching all of these movies is clearly they're either set in the uk or america it's a white christmas that shit just doesn't always... work down here. <laughs> and there's nothing worse than sitting down watching a movie where people are drinking eggnog and they're around the fire and they've got their sweaters on. <gasps> and in Australia, sweating out your asshole sinking cans. Dude, Drew, you're really opening up a Pandora's box in my mind here. Um, after I ask you this, I have one further question. And then I have my suggestion for a couple of movies that we should do for Christmas. I'm really interested if anyone knows what the hell this is, this movie with this deer, the reindeer. I used to this watch it as a kid. It was Rudolph, mesmerizing. It? Rudolph. Is it just Rudolph? Yeah. It's just it called stop Rudolph. Motion. It's stop yes. motion. Phenomenal, and again, it, it made I, me feel like I was on acid as a kid. I only yeah, know this dude, because of Robot to do Chicken. Mushrooms and watch that movie. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'd actually love to get on shrooms and watch this shit. Um, I think that's it right there. The original Come on Christmas, down to Texas, man. I got some in my freezer. Okay, I mean, you could ship them out to me. I'll pay you a premium price, dude, because I'd love to have some shrooms on Christmas. My Christmas well, tree is already up, next guys. To Colorado, man. Colorado has fucking legalized mushrooms. Well, my Christmas tree is already up. Now, another question that I have for you guys is, um, and this is my last question, and then I, I have my suggestion for what we should do other than a Christmas story 
uh, for Christmas. What's your guys' favorite like thing to drink around the holidays? Not you know alcoholic wise. Well, it's hot here, so it's just beer. Beer, just beer. or it's like a lemon lime and bitters, just to refresh you with like ice, just to cool Steve, you off. My old favorite was um, white Russians. I don't know why. Like drinking white Russians in the holidays. Okay. Um, but now my wife makes this amazing fucking drink called Wassel. Right? Like, and it's like um It sounds like a racial slur to be honest. Wassel. It's like pineapple juice. It's fucking wassels are here. Cranberry juice. <laughs> <laughs> Cranberry juice. Apple juice and something else and like cinnamon. It's this fucking it's like a holiday in a cup, dude. And you put a little okay. rum in that and make like a hot toddy out of it. Okay. So you like a it hot. served it's served hot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's fucking amazing. Okay. So that's the difference though. Like you guys have like the warmer drinks and things that kind of like make you feel good inside, like the stiff drinks. The tradition of leaving out cookies and milk for Santa in Australia it's literally biscuits and a beer. Like we don't do the milk. It's a biscuits and a beer. That, you know, that's now I feel ashamed of us. Like Well so that's so so what's much more manly. <laughs> what's something that you guys drink down there when it's cool in like our fucking Fourth of July? I guess <laughs> right. right, um, right. It'd be like that's when we get onto like the bourbons and coke and spirits more than anything else. Still on ice though. Yeah, yeah on ice. You don't have like a cold weather drink. Not really. Um, Bailey's might be one. Like you have a Bailey's at Christmas. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't hate it. Yeah, dude, I had a hot chocolate with some um, peanut butter bourbon. Uh, It's like a peanut butter whiskey. It's called Screwball. Um, I I put, you know, a little caramel in this hot chocolate. I made a hot. I did this yesterday. Phenomenal. Just just did a nice chocolate with some. What do you call it? Caramel. 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 Sounds like a laurel. Oh, dude. Take, Take hot chocolate. Okay. Here's here's. I have the holiday drink for the the entire world. I have oh, so much it. diabetes Solved. in American holiday Solved drinks. It, okay, so but that's hot, why it's the holiday season. You make, put on ten pounds during the winter, chocolate. and it's a winter coat. Right, that's what it's <laughs> yeah, it's called festively plump. Yeah, <laughs> you don't have to. You don't have to wear a jacket. You just gain ten pounds. Right. So I got. I I just created in my head the best holiday drink. I've I've never had it, but I want it now. Okay. So you make hot chocolate and then you get like marshmallow vodka and fire. Uh, you already lost me. This is gay. Marshmallow vodka. It. What yeah, the fuck marshmallow is marshmallow vodka. vodka? They make marshmallow vodka. It they exists. Do. It exists. And then you get fireball. That's the cinnamon of the graham cracker. Right. And then you have a s'mores drink. Ah, uh, man, I, I, I see. I think the best way to drink fireball is by pouring it down the drain. I think that's the best way to drink fireball. <laughs> I don't know. With hot chocolate and some fucking marshmallow shit, it might be good because it's cinnamon, you know. Can you, I'm telling you, like, man, can you make that live like on the, ne- the next show we make when we do the Christmas recording? Let's each I'm make not, one yes. of those. We'll each make one a Christmas, Christmas drink. Yeah, of let's our make own. a Christmas cocktail. We'll make- 
make a Christmas Damn. cocktail to drink while we're doing the show. Yeah. We'll make our own each. We'll make up our own. I've been drinking a little whiskey, so we can we can do a cocktail hour. I can absolutely. And and uh yeah, we can see who whoever thinks I mean my peanut butter hot chocolate is going to win. I throw marshmallows <laughs> in it as well. Gross. Um, peanut butter hot chocolate with marshmallows. Even though I do It's like a Reese's kids, in a cup. <laughs> I do make my kids sometimes if you make a PB and J, but before you put the peanut butter on the bread, you smear marshmallow fluff on the bread and then peanut butter and then jelly on the other side and put it together. Dude, it'll, uh, it'll change your no one of the last three Ryan. months in America. It'll sugar sh- season, Halloween, yeah. Thanksgiving, Christmas. No, they call it flu season. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the reason too, dude, is honestly like everyone's trying to move their fucking shit. All these companies are trying to move their stuff out. The reason that they call it Black Friday is because that's the fucking first <laughs> day of the fucking year that. um Companies go into the black profit wise. They're in the red. They're in debt all year up until the last freaking up until Black Friday. And Black Friday is when they actually start profiting. And then up until Christmas, that's why Christmas is at the end of the year so that companies can actually profit. Yeah, but that's but the fiscal year goes to April. Right. But that's that's, the thing. That's the beginning of the, the final quarter. Black Friday is, and so the final quarter is the profit quarter. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. It's like it's a it's a huge day for business, and then yeah, Christmas is is like at the end of the year again. But yeah, obviously fiscal. But who gives a fuck about fiscal years, right? Other so, what are your than... thoughts, Ryan, around this this Christmas one? Is it going to be a Christmas story, or do we do something similar to the Halloween episode where we have three oh, yeah. Christmas movies? So, my opinion, guys. Um, let me let me actually pull up a trailer here. Uh, we we talked about a Christmas story, right? So good. Then after um, this, we need to give the actual the Kennedys and the five stars for this. Oh film shit! As well. Yeah, we to do that. We'll have to give them candy canes, right? Candy canes and uh, turkeys for this one for playing strands and autumn. This one's turkeys and cranberries. Turkeys and cranberries. Yeah, turkeys will be. Uh, <laughs> turkeys will be like the actual like you know, movie, and then maybe Cranberries could be the conspiratorial nature. And it's up to you guys, but um, yeah, you guys give that while I pull up this trailer that I wanted you guys to uh, maybe consult. We can see if we wanted to do this in addition to a Christmas story. I know first, Cranberries is a conspiracy, so I'm going to rate it like a three Cranberries, because you have to really, really look deep. Like, you got to go to some really esoteric shit to kind of get to anything um as far as movies though uh 10 turkeys like like i think it's a movie everybody should watch it's fucking fantastic it's it's probably uh pinnacle as far as uh john candy and steve martin go like it, it was at the pinnacle of their careers where they were both superstars it was fucking flawless from stem to stern I mean, it is just an amazing movie the entire time. There's never a boring part of it. It doesn't get slow. It's fucking stellar. Like, watch it. If you've never seen Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, fucking turn this goddamn podcast off and fucking watch it because it's amazing. I thought you were going to say something crazy. (laughs) Take a knife and run into it or something. (laughs) Go meet Hermes. 
I'm smart enough to not say that kind of crazy shit on fucking record. Come on. <laughs> um, the turkeys as a film itself, I'd have to give it. I'd go, with Bob. It's ten. It's a it's a great John Hughes movie. You can't go past John Candy. He's one of hands down the best comedians ever. Period. He's lovable. He's likable. He's hilarious. It's it's a movie that you can literally just watch at any moment. It could be ten minutes into it, half of the film could be gone and passed, and you'll sit there and you'll watch it. Big time favorite of mine, so it's ten for that. Cranberries wise, like you said, Bob, it is it's a bit of a you have to really dig for these things, or you have to be a schizophrenic to notice most of these things. <laughs> have mul- multiple viewings. I'd put it at maybe a five or a six for that, just based on the amount of effort you have to do to find it. Yeah. Okay. Uh yeah, for a film, for me, we're going turkeys here, right? Um I it's great. It's solid, it's fun. Like you said, you can watch it at any point in time. Uh you don't have to see it from beginning to end. There's no theme. It's uh, you know, like the Fast and the Furious movies. You don't have to see one before you watch the fucking twelfth or whatever they're on <laughs> right now, right? You can watch it at any point and it's still good. But I will say, um, Today, I think it holds up as about a six, a six for like, you know, younger kids. They're not going to really understand all these references and whatnot. I try to be uh, I try to represent the youth, you know, with my youthful, (laughs) not only face, but figure as well. Well, you are 17 years old, Ryan. I am 17. Yeah. So uh, I but yeah, dude, for older people and, and like, you know, people like myself, dude, this movie's great. So uh, realistically, it's higher. I think that your guys's are accurate, but I'll I'll give it a six for the turkeys, just because you know, people people you know younger might not enjoy it as much. And then for cranberries, man, I'll say it's about a six or a seven because once you dig into it, like we did here, I think that there's some wild shit to find, man. And and you know, really, the only one that that watched this and really dug into it was Drew. Drew's work here and what you kind of fucking figured out kind of like inspired Bob and myself to find some additional things. I think if you were actually all three of us were to really deep dive into this, we could find some wild shit here. So this oh, could dude. get up to like a 10 cranberries. I'm I'm going to watch it again because my wife has never seen. It. She's okay. never seen. It. She's she's younger than you, Ryan. So she's it was well before her time. And um we're gonna watch it this thanksgiving and i'm i'm gonna specifically look for crazy shit and have her look for it too because obviously she's got a little conspiracy filter my, mind, right? my leading theory is hermes though like, that is that is at the forefront man like fuck dude he fell in front of the car he died and hermes is taking him to hell he's testing him and he's taking him to hell um and that holy shit (laughs) i mean it's wild that or he's schizophrenic i have a hard time watching it and not having that thought in the back of my head for every single second of the movie i'd totally go back and watch it now and just cover up dal every time he's on screen and just watch the reactions of of our main character interacting with other people and pretend other people yes like you gotta look at the people in the background are they like looking at him crazy like what the fuck is wrong with this guy yeah yeah it's an incredible movie so i think that it could get up to a 10 cranberries honestly because it's so sneaky 
But uh, on the surface, it's the six or seven cranberries wise, just from what we uncovered here today in this two hours or whatever that we were talking. But yeah, man, incredible stuff. Um, I want to show you guys this movie, man. I think that th- that we could add this in to a Christmas story. This is called a Christmas horror story. Okay, so oh, it's William the- Shatner. Shatner. Hey, Shatner it's- is a okay. So you guys are gonna enjoy this, Shatner is a radio DJ throughout this movie. And this is an anthology. You guys know I love anthologies. I've never seen this movie. I don't know, dude. You guys are sleeping on me sometimes because you guys are really, uh, you know, keen on the older movies. But I'm your guy with these fucking newer movies, dude. So did you yeah, just age us for the for the whole audience? You aged us. Well, and I'm like way older than you, Drew. <laughs> well, that's the thing is, like you guys. God damn, I'm, I'm a boomer I'm, I'm, in I'll, spirit. I'll say, listen, I'll say it's more experience. It's more experience, Drew. How old are you? I think you're 35. my same age. Yeah, so you're three years older than me. It's that you just you're into. I'm old as fuck. <laughs> I say, dude. I say, and I stand behind this. And 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 this is true, you motherfuckers. Australia is twenty years behind the United States culturally. You guys still are still into mullets, right? Yeah, you guys are still into yet. shit that was cool. Yeah, but they're like coming the back. Here. They're coming back here. Have we you got seen? pumps. We still got pumps. That's what I'm saying. Man. Yeah, and bell bottoms probably and shit. Right. So maybe they're ahead of us. Yeah, maybe they're coming back. I'm just saying. Maybe it's um, just cyclical and they're actually ahead. Right. Yeah, it could be the, <laughs> the case. But yeah, dude. Uh no, Drew, I think that that honestly we probably watch a lot of the same movies, man. But uh yeah, this is a phenomenal movie. Let's watch. Can you guys hear this? Oh yeah. A nice anthology. Christmas. Christmas. Most magical time of year. Tell me we will find the perfect Christmas tree. It's Christmas. Christmas is all about forgiveness and family and tradition. Santa, lots of kids are depending on tonight going off without a hit. But in (laughs) Bailey Downs this Christmas, it's different. Exactly one year ago, last Christmas Eve, the school was the scene of an unimaginable crime. You still want to go down there just for some stupid school assignment? I think it's the only door in the school. This is Krampus, right? What's a Krampus? He's like an anti-Santa Claus. A demon who punishes the naughty. He rips them, chains them up, stuff like that. What? That's fine. It's the elves. I fear they may all become infected. How did it all come to this? We're trapped down here, and there's a psychopath on our loose. Bring the changeling back to the forest. That ain't his son. Did you not see what he did? The atmosphere here in Bailey Downs is truly grim this holiday season. I'm down, I'm down for that. That's Holy good. shit, that looks so you have, amazing. You have zombie elves, you have changelings, Krampus, you have 
Krampus. You've got a lot of stuff in there that we can touch on. And it Holy is called shit. a Christmas horror story. So it's based off of a Christmas story, but you know, it's an anthology. Dude, it's fucking phenomenal, man. Oh. I, I really love that movie. We watch it constantly around the holidays. Um, I think you it guys will enjoy so that. Oh, good. Holy fuck. That looks good. Well, it's up to you guys, man. Uh, dude, I'm into it. That is, I was just going to say the movie Krampus. Um, because it's fucking intense. But this like, has got a Krampus. But this has a Krampus and all of the other things. Well, maybe we up the ante, guys. You know, people like this show a lot. Maybe we do more than just one a month. Maybe we do, I mean, it's, you know, up to I you guys. I in December. Christmas is the time of giving. Loved. It is. Right. And receiving. Uh, so, you know. <laughs> we'll, we'll do what you guys want, but I think that it'd be fun to do a Christmas story. Just run through that real quick. See anything that we can find. Drew, I mean, I like I said, I can't fucking believe you haven't seen this thing, man. You'll enjoy it. It's so fun. Um, get drunk and just watch it. You'll just laugh your ass off. We can kind of run through it oh, and then kind of dive so deep good. into a Christmas horror story, man. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of good old-fashioned racism in that movie. Yeah. Well, yeah, here's, here's a question. Oh, here's a question. We started off this show originally having a breakdown and a watch-along. Do we do a watch along slash breakdown of a Christmas story? And that's when we're drinking our Christmas like cocktails. Do we watch it together, record it, and have our reactions while watching it, and then have a, uh, a proper breakdown of the horror movie as a separate show? I don't hate that idea. I'm absolutely down. I don't hate that idea at all. That could be a lot of fun. I'd love to watch the fucking Christmas story with you, Drew. That'd be the shit. All right, cool. Sounds good. Let's do it. So what do we do? How do we do that? Do we tell people that are watching along, like, hey, start the movie now, and then we're yeah. all starting it together, and then yep. we just talk about what we're seeing? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and they can watch along, or they can just listen to the podcast, whatever they so desire. So we'll do two episodes. We'll do a Christmas story and a Christmas horror story. Yeah. Sounds good. Oh, yes. I love yeah. it. I'm into it. I Fuck love yes. it. Let's go. My ginger brothers. Yes. <laughs> Fucking hey, and, 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 We should have gingerbread cookies while we're doing it. <laughs> Wait a I minute. I actually do like gingerbread cookies a lot. Did you, did you suggest a Christmas story because Zach Ward roughly looks like me? He plays Dude, one of the characters. Drew, you don't understand how iconic this movie is in the United States. You don't. You really don't. It's is it like, just full-time Americana? Is it a, a part of the Christmas DNA? story is the Christmas story. Like I think, don't they always play it every single fucking year, 24-7 on Christmas Day? Don't they do that? It's it. It's for December, starting in December. It's another one of those movies you can always find on. Well, it's the pinnacle of Christmas movies in the U.S. Yes. That's really yes. what it is. So, it's yeah. like a Christmas story. Um Miracle on 34th Street and um, uh, fucking the one that I said, Jesus Christ, It's a but Wonderful Life. The thing like is, those though, three movies are always on. In December. But the thing is, a Christmas story is here, and then, you know, 34th is like not even, I mean, uh, a Christmas on 34th story. 34th Street, dude, the, um, the original Miracle on 34th Street is a spectacular movie. I get it, but I'm saying, like, in the public eyes, like, a Christmas story is 
by far oh, number one. It's yeah, yeah, by far, by so, yeah. far. Yeah, Drew, you got to watch it, man. I'm, we'll I'm do looking it. forward to it. It'll be quite. Maybe you don't watch it until we. Uh, I won't. I do don't want. Yeah, I don't want to watch it live. Watching it. Yeah. No, I want to see his live reaction. To yeah, it's a fucking great movie. Story. And the added benefit of drinking yeah. alcoholic drinks while watching it—that's going to add a next level of entertainment for the listeners. That's you know what's a kind of a, a partial Christmas Christmas movie that just popped into my head is have you ever seen funny farm yeah oh it is you're right it, it takes part in christmas at the end yeah interesting yeah i didn't think about that until now but that's that's a fucking good one i didn't even think about it as a fucking christmas movie until just now well i time. like this i like where our, our heads are at for for december time of well, giving and- two episodes yeah I, I will make one last suggestion just on record here. I think that we should take a shot as a collective. We should have some bourbon, some whiskey, whatever we want to drink. Every time they mention the Red Rider BB gun, I think that we need to take a shot. Okay. I yeah. don't know how often that is mentioned. Fun. It's about 20 That'll be times. Fun. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a fucking lot. So let's go. All right, guys. All right. I'm in. All right, well. That's been Conspiracy Theater 3000. Go watch movies. Break the fucking look at crazy shit because even a movie like Planes, Trains, and Automobiles can have a bunch of crazy shit in it. Like, that's how deep this shit goes. Even the names of the characters are something and it, it relates and it's not on accident. Like, there's. There's teams of people making sure these movies have these deep fucking shit. So, but don't forget to enjoy them as well. Just fucking enjoy it. Enjoy the whole level. It's added enjoyment, as Ryan says. And, you know, fucking watch movies. That's why I love this podcast. It forces me to watch movies I haven't seen in a long time. So, forever. Uh, You know, I still suggest God Bless America to everybody I talk to. We still got to do that, dude. That That's got to come in July. January, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fourth yes. of July. Yes. Oh, well, Americans, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Turkey Day. Doesn't really mean much to us down here, but I hope you have a wonderful time with your loved ones and you enjoy this little bit of entertainment that we provided to you today. Later. Later.